and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in cold, dreary northwest Pennsylvania. Folks, we broadcast live every weeknight, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. You know the drill. We're simulcast on BTR, Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live by archive on our YouTube channel. Links to each audio and video venue, of course, are located at hagmanandhagman.com. We're, we're doing a little housekeeping with respect to hagmanreport.com. However, it's up and running. And I, I do want to mention, hagmanandhagman.com, show information. Show and show information. Simple, right? Hagmanreport.com, news, articles, breaking news, insights, analysis, and then for my musings, <laughs> HomelandSecurityUS.com. That's HomelandSecurityUS.com. Three websites, three portals of information. And, of course, folks, I would just want to just say thank you so much. We're broadcast live on the Global Star Radio Network. They do a fantastic job getting our voices out there, making us sound good even when we don't. Well, that's at least for me. And, of course, uh, booming all across the United States, North America, Central South America, oh, worldwide, actually. And I'm Doug Hagman, as you know, at the helm with fellow investigator researcher, my son Joe Hagman. We are the Hagman and Hagman Report. And uh, just great to great to have each and every one of you as listeners, as, as, as viewers, as part of our family. Portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by nuts.com. That's nuts.com. Have you gone there yet? Oh, what a great website. What an easy to navigate website. And even better still, what great products. You want some, well, you want some nuts? It's the place to go. Use our microphone code, HH, our code in the microphone box, HH. That's nuts.com. Enter our code, HH, in the microphone box for a very special, very special free offer. More on that later. Joe, busy day here at the studio. Yeah, it was. Eric the Tech was just, I'm telling you, he scares me. It was a very busy day. Lots of stuff going on. Um, getting the next week schedule, uh, getting the ball rolling on that as well as working on, on the rest of this week. We have uh, joining us tonight from 8 to 10 will be Pastor Paul Begley. He has a show, The Coming Apocalypse. You can go to paulbegley.com for his website. Yes. And we will be on his show tomorrow from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, in the afternoon, and uh, he's coming on tonight. So that'll be fun, as always. See, we held him hostage. We said, you want us on tomorrow, you're going to have to come on tonight. And, and we held him. We actually duct tape his, um, we duct tape him to the chair. Um, actually had one of our, our um, Vatican assassin Jesuit spies go out there and uh, uh, duct tape him to the chair. 
yeah. Anyway, so um, looking forward to hearing his take on, um, you know, what we're seeing in pro- with prophecy unfolding, what we're seeing in the Middle East, and any others. I mean, he covers a wide range of uh, news and events and issues, and it's always fun to hear what he has to say. Uh, and his opinion. Are you serious? Everything. What yeah, are you serious? Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, what? What a great man. I, I, we just love <laughs> Paul Begley and his wife Heidi. And uh, don't forget, remember he was he was ill when he came back from that trip and and uh, or when he was actually yeah when he went landed in Canada, and he did that. Um, uh, he had that. Uh, it was uh, a vocal vocal cord uh, issue, wasn't it? Oh, I, you know, it was a well, it was more than that. It was, but, but I'm glad he's glad he's okay. And him and his wife Heidi are great people, and we just uh, we we love him to death. We think a lot of him, and he's he's just a he's just a great guy. A lot of stuff going tonight. Um, yeah, a lot of know. things taking place, uh, folks. By the way, can I? We'll just can we talk? Uh, isn't that Joan Rivers? I guess. No, Eric said no. Actually, yeah, we we'll just sit here and for those listening without without the uh, video. Of course, you you wouldn't get that. Um, yeah, uh, our YouTube channel. We. Uh, Look, you know what, folks? So subscribe, please. We're, we're going to be cleaning that up, making sure that everything is current. The playlists are current. That you know, doing some house cleaning. Um, we really want to. We, we really want to get this information out there. And I'll tell you why. Um, time is short, Joe. Time is short. I, I'm convinced of that. And when I say time is short, I'm not sure how long we're going to have to be able to do this program. On the regular venues now, I know Global Star is going to be up until the in, until the, as my buddy used to say, the last dog is hung. You know, no, I I believe that. Um, I, bl- I believe that Global Star will be out there. You know, the signal will be strong. However, a lot of the millennials apparently like the visuals. Right, I'm talking to you. Yeah, people do like the. Visual uh, with the audio more so than just the audio. Yeah, and uh, unless you're multitasking, <laughs> well, that's true. You know, like people who are truck drivers or police officers working out of their car or right. out of their home, um, just being able to listen while doing their job or or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, yeah, but since we moved to our, our live show also to a visual venue like YouTube, yep, we have seen a high uh, increase of. Uh, People who watch the show rather than just listen to the show, and we, we've got people that actually do both. They'll listen to mm-hmm. Global Star in the background and, and, and have the, the the video up. But the reason I mention all of that is not to say you know, hey, yay, you know, yay us. But he, here's what we're trying to do um, in these in what I feel is kind of the last I don't know fourth quarter of the game I, I should say sports metaphor. Um, what we're trying to do is is bring as many people to the truth and also bring as many people to um to salvation as possible that's that's kind of what i'm thinking uh that we need to do so how do we do that we use all all of the we actually use the system of the beast against them now anyway but i was it was in the office day in the studio looking around and thinking my goodness, what a what a how, how how far we've come, and it's because of you folks that that we've been able to do this. Um, 
and we're going to even go a little bit further. Um, we will be streaming in full high def, not too long, you know, not in, in, in the near future, and using regular television cameras. Uh, so you're going to see a difference. But with that, we're also going to have the ability to bring on our guests in video, or we're going to be able to use our, our screens and our monitors as uh, to, to show videos, topical videos. And I think that's important, too, because there, there's going to be a lot of interactions. So think of think of that in the, in the future. But thank you for, you know, for all of this. Go well, ahead. Can, just turn, this. Let's go. Yeah. This uh, is something that hits home. It's personal. Uh, Pastor David, James David Manning, yep. a friend of this show. Listen to this. LGBT group seeks to buy building that houses anti-gay hate church. Yeah, I, I the saw that. The Law Worldwide Ministry Church, Missionary Church in Harlem, is notorious for its homophobic sermons, according to local Fox 5 New York. It may soon be purchased by an LGBT homeless shelter. Reverend Manning has certainly become fixated on hating LGBT people and trying to use the Bible to justify that, uh, according to the founder of Ally Forney Center. Um, and it goes on from there. Um, the building housing the church is set to become auctioned for unpaid bills. Wait a second. Which which building? Is it the, is it the pastor's church building? That houses this church, the building that houses this church. All right. Does he own it? No. No. All right. So the uh, Ally Forney Center is the largest organization in the country working to help homeless LGBT youth. Uh, when we broke the news that the building was foreclosed and put up for auction, we launched the Harlem No Hate campaign in less than two weeks and were able to raise $200,000 towards the efforts to win the building at auction. All right. I go on to say Pastor James David Manning has been at odds with the LGBT community in Harlem for years, regularly pit, uh, putting up anti-gay signs outside his church and preaching homophobic sermons for his congregation. Right. Well, congratulations to Pastor David Manning for teaching the Bible. Uh, despite <laughs> claims that his speech is hateful and incendiary, outlaw signs and teachings are supported by the First Amendment. Uh, yes, they are. And uh, I'm sure no matter what happens with the building, his ministry and following will be just fine. But keep him in your prayers uh, as all this goes on. Yeah, it's now Greg Jackson is a weekly guest on on his radio program. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had Pastor Manning on before, and I've talked to him, yeah, you, you know, on and show. off there. Yeah. In fact, um, it's interesting because when you when you had mentioned that. We the uh, uh, S, S, uh, SL, yeah Southern Poverty Law Center. I was just trying to uh, do the acronym here, but uh, they just came out with their 2016 hate groups, and you know we are dropped off of that for some reason. We didn't make it, which not, which not is kind of surprising. So yeah, apparently <clears throat> we're not we are not doing our job. Um, all right, getting into, and yes, uh, keep Pastor Manning, of course, in your prayers. Getting into the, the, the news, of course, Drudge headlining Pope Pick's yeah, fight with let's Trump. talk about this. Well, did you happen to see, before even that, did you happen to see the Pope lose his temper? Did you see the video of uh-huh. that in Mexico City? Um, oh, wow. I heard about that. It was a few days ago? Yesterday, or time kind of runs together. It doesn't matter. It, it was, we'll say within the last 24 or 36 hours, he was down in Mexico City, and he... Was pulled, I believe, into the, into the crowd, handshake kind of thing, and actually struck or 
pushed against a, a younger person or, or a, a person in front of him, and he just kind of went off on the uh, don't be selfish, don't be selfish. But the look on his face, have you seen that? That no, look? I heard about the picture though. Oh boy, it's kind of like you know. Is it, it looks like his, uh, his predecessor? Uh, how evil he used to look? No, no. This was this was an anger. You know, no, you know. The, what I'm talking about that. Uh, yeah, I know. The uh, the guy before him, the Pope before him, he had that face, and when he used to make these angry faces, um, I mean, he would just look evil, evil, evil. Right. But here, I'll pull up and see. Yeah, I, I, we can and we can flash. A, hope, well, maybe Eric, if you can find it, it's uh, um, it, it, uh, just a still even. Just to show you the the look of evil, or not the look, but the look of anger. I shouldn't say evil. The look of anger on the on the Pope's face, and I get it. All right. Um, however, <laughs> um, man, that's not the best. I mean, one ought not to be that way, especially in public. And I, and I get when you're tired, and we've all been there, right, folks? I mean, we. So we, I, I'm I'm a little bit, and I can't talk, but you know. You, Sometimes Pope things happen. Was the one before him? Yeah, but anyway, but now, now the Pope is saying to Trump, uh, "No, it's not Christian-like to build a wall <laughs> of along the border." So here's my question to the Pope and to the Vatican: So the wall that's around Vatican City, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about I that? I haven't found the picture. Um, um, you know, so anyway, yeah, uh, thrusting himself into the heated American presidential campaign, <laughs> Francis declared Thursday that Donald Trump is not Christian if he wants to address legal immigration only by building a wall along the, the border. Well, Trump didn't say that, but uh, uh, it, that's not his only plan, but he did fire back saying that it was disgraceful for a religious leader to question a person's faith. Now, it's interesting because I'm wondering how the average Catholic out there is going to view Trump now based on this and this is going to be played I can guarantee you this is going to be a big deal to all to the media and and he's going to say Trump is you know um, haters will hate right it's going to be the it's going to be the kind of the mantra but when has and this is something that I would ask when has historically uh, the Vatican, or and specifically the office, that's the one. Yeah, top bottom. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can, you can. We're talking the, about yeah, ourselves. It's, uh, the Daily Mail UK. Yeah, it's. it's uh, they did a good job with that. But, but when his in history, when is the last time a pope has inserted or injected himself into a, a U.S. presidential election? That, that was going to be my this, question. And, and I, I was looking for this earlier today. Now there was. Some uh, with, with Pope John Paul II in the '60s, there was some, uh, and I'm not talking about a president, uh, an established leader. I'm talking about a presidential campaign. There's a huge difference mm-hmm. here. Okay, mm-hmm. so I did go back through historically. I was looking at things, and I thought mm, there does seem to be, and I would have to go to the archives, National Archives, to find uh, uh, precisely with what what I'm looking for. Uh, there seems to be a, an indication that Pope John Paul II, in 19, um, it would be 1959, may have weighed in on the Kennedy-Nixon, but Kennedy, uh, uh, Kennedy-Nixon campaign, talking about Kennedy referencing his Catholicism. Now that's the last time I could fi- I could find 
but all throughout or all since then, I have not seen any any occasion where a pope has in, interjected himself in a campaign right. with a uh, prospect, a presidential prospect. And to call, uh, as Trump said, uh, for a religious leader to state whether somebody is a believer or not, based on anything other than unless they were to confess that to them right. is is out of line and to say yeah. that you know you're if you're building only building walls and not building bridges and you're not a christian the pope has the strictest as a, you can find it on judge and this has been pointed out many times before as he continues he the pope continues to um try to use his influence in this immigration battle as he calls for you know americans to to Embrace, you know, millions of immigrants. He calls on Europe to embrace millions of immigrants. They have, they, the Vatican, have the strictest immigration and citizenship policy on earth. You're talking about surrounded by walls. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. I mean, it's the most hypocritical. I I, I don't know um, what to compare it to. It's ridiculous. Well, Pope has no business. And another thing that gets me about this Pope. The contraception issue. Yes. I don't know if anybody has seen, well, he, he's come out and said, well, you know what? Due to the Zika virus, it's, it's, it's okay to, to have contraceptive, uh, because it's the lesser of two evils. He said abortion is a crime, an absolute evil, but that avoiding pregnancy is not c- when, uh, concerned about transmitting or con- contracting the Zika virus. Basically saying, you can conform to the world when you know you're going to be in in danger, or or when you're in in, in some kind of danger. Right. Conformity to the world is okay. We'll take our principles and go home. Uh, if your life's on the line. Yeah. We, what we need is just a a bigger rubber band uh, to to uh, to hold the uh, elastic morals yeah. of, of people. Now, folks, uh, on your screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, on your screen is is an image, compliments of the DailyMail.com, of the Pope, and and this really doesn't do it do it justice, I, I suppose. But it, we'll leave it there for a little bit. What he's doing is actually saying, uh, uh, you know, don't be don't be selfish. But he but he, and, and I understand the reaction, the human reaction to being pulled over someone. I don't. What I'm concerned about is. <laughs> Is the uh, how quickly that 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 his reaction fired up? I mean, we're all human, right? We're all human. We're all going to get if somebody you know, jabs you in the nose or punches you in the nose, you're going to be stunned and, and act accordingly, respond accordingly. So, from a human element, a human point of view, okay. But he is the Pope, so. But I was just even candidate Bush told reporters that he supports walls where it's appropriate and that Christianity is between him and his creator. Yep. And he doesn't think this needs to be a point of discussion. So, somebody well, who really hates Trump in the public eye, kind of sticking up for him there. In, in, and I've never seen such a divide. And, and you might we might as well talk about the, the election just momentarily here because you've got Cruz and Trump and you've got Rubio still kind of out there. Um, and, of course, you've got Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, and, and Rudge made a big deal about uh, Hillary's coughing spell. What's wrong with her? And people are 
saying there's something wrong with her. Well, you know, it just seems to me we're, we're missing all of the larger issues here when we're talking about the, these candidates. We're, we're missing... Uh, first of all, we have to understand that... that uh, I, I personally, I, I really believe that we're we're already captured. This nation's already captured. So the people that are in this, and I would dare say, including Trump, do you think for one moment they're going to let him uh, perform his own, you know, uh, his objectives, accomplish his objectives? You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they will. But my concern primarily is the landscape of this country. And, and Joe, you can weigh in on this. I mean, regardless of the person going in, my my concern is the landscape here, the social landscape, the economic landscape, the geopolitical landscape, the people in power, the, the, the objectives of the globalists. We're looking at a situation where whoever walks into that office, let's say it is Donald Trump, do you, don't you think he could go too far the other way and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're all, right now we're complaining about offenses to the United States Constitution. We, even though m- many of the problems that we have right now were created by extra constitutional events or activities, don't you think that we still have to, or we should adhere to constitutional practices or practices that conform to the United States Constitution to fix the problems that we have now. So, in other words, what I'm saying is we cannot, we cannot say the heck with the Constitution. Let's say Donald Trump goes in, it gets 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 the nomination, and gets ultimately uh, wins the presidency. Well, let me ask this to, to everyone listening: Would you back him if he said we're going to intern all of the Muslims in this country, you know, give them a number and then ship them out? No. Okay, I, I don't either, because it's not not con, not in conformance with the Constitution. We got at, at, to this level, to this area, in in these problems by not conforming to, or acting in in concert with, or in subjugation to, the Constitution. That's how we got here. We cannot take a shortcut to circumvent the Constitution to achieve our objectives, because that would be the same as what uh, Clinton and Obama and all of their predecessors did, no, right? And he wouldn't even have to do that, because if he were to just actually enforce the current immigration policy, you could take care of a lot of the problems that have made their way into this country by going after people who are here illegally, especially with criminal records who came through after overextending visas or sneaking in the back door. Right. Just by enforcing the laws that are in the Constitution, you could get yourself, uh, a lot of these people, away from uh, what their objectives are, if they have other objectives than to just help build a family, uh, you know, make a family and a living for themselves. Right. I, I guess what I'm saying, and I have a book, somebody had sent me a book, they had written this book. In fact, I believe the title is 2016. Uh, we've got a lot of books in our office. I've got to find it. Um, 2016. It had 2016 in the title. It was about a president elected in 2016 as a... Um, a right-wing conservative benevolent dictator if you will or who someone who uh, obtained uh, or attained the office of the presidency got in there and worked extra constitutionally to bring the country back under the constitution but it had some plot twists and turns i mean it was a it was a fictional book but um 
what what you know the message was essentially wait a minute this is still um this wouldn't it would certainly not be a good a, a good uh, good situation and it kind of reminds me the the ground in, on which we walk today metaphorically speaking reminds me of the the pre world war 2 german ground where hitler was embraced because germany got beat up badly during world war 1 and subsequent to world war 1 so they looked at hitler as a as a kind of a savior right and isn't that kind of the mindset that we have today that many of the people have today they're looking at trump as a savior well, and they had that, you know, 2012 election. True. They've had it in 2008 election. They've had it, and it's, as the political, economic, and military problems continue to grow in this country, that's going to continue to increase the seeking out a savior. That type of mentality is going to continue to increase until the false savior makes his way on the scene. Because this is what is being this is what the the road is being paved for. Well, right, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because we're looking at the macro picture, and uh, um, yeah, I just I believe truly that that uh, you know time is so short that I, I do see that that the things are falling into place that suggest that uh, hey, um, you know we're, we're in the fourth quarter. I, I, I guess I don't want to be redundant or even uh, just continue on this, but but I, I'm just concerned. With what I'm seeing, the conservative Christian conservative right in this country really embracing the, the uh, Donald Trump as a savior. And just to be clear, I want to be clear on this. Still working on uh, getting Donald Trump on air. Okay, um, we might be able to get 15 minutes for, from him, or even 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, still working on that. So it's not a done deal. It's out there. He knows the he knows our audience. It's it's a scheduling issue. Um, so, I just want to make sure people are aware of that. But, but I'm I'm just concerned, and, and I and I I am concerned about um, about us going too far. Not not abiding by the Constitution to fix the to fix the problems that were caused by not abiding by the Constitution. If that makes any sense. All right. Yeah. There's there's a uh, uh, new. Uh, Financial warning out by Moody's. Yep. A few fiscal monetary policy moves left to fight global growth slowdown. Moody's warns risks to global growth have increased since November, and world leaders have little left in their fiscal and monetary arsenals to mitigate the threat Moody's has warned. It is a, a quarterly global macro outlook 2016-2017 report released Thursday. The rating agency said that growth prospects were being hammered by China's slowdown in a slump in commodity prices and tighter financing conditions in some emerging markets. This pain would outweigh factors helpful to growth, such as the loss of monetary or the loosening of monetary policy in Europe, Japan, and the U.S., Moody's said. It went on to say that the credit rating firm said gross domestic product growth across the group of 20 was expected to match the 2.6 rate reached in 2015, while only a slight tick up to 2.9% was seen for 2017. The average, uh, this average figure for 2016, however, masked the decline in Moody's forecast range, which dropped 50 basis points both at the top and bottom to end 
uh, bottom end to sit at two to three percent. Central banks, meanwhile, have limited room to battle the risks looming overgrowth, the report said, where government budgets are hit by lower commodity prices and depreciating currencies, fuel inflation, room to mitigate the downside risks are limited. In Europe and Japan, elevated government debt continues to constrain fiscal policy, while the efficiency of multiple rounds of quantitative easing has already been tested. And Jerry Robinson on our show last night, uh, ftmdaily.com, follow the money, daily.com, talked about this and how the negative interest rates uh, had already started in Japan and how this global, uh, he's never seen the global economies all together as a whole uh, in this downward path that it is going down. He said not in the 2000 cycle, not in the 2008 cycle did he see the trend of so many of the world's economies going down in a spiral at the same time, giving us an opportunity to be in one of the worst financial calamities that we've seen in a long time. Moody's here is backing up uh, Jerry Robinson's uh, evaluation. And uh, to no surprise, I mean, we haven't seen any improvements here. What we've seen is, you know, devaluation of the dollar. Uh, the only thing that's helped is, is gas prices are low, but that comes at a risk to us. Um, it is nice, though, you know, to put $15 in your tank and, and <laughs> be able to get it half full or three-quarters full. That's something we haven't seen in a while. But beyond that, uh, you know, the prices of things continue to rise while the value of the dollar continues to sink. you got groceries and energy, food and, food and energy being the two biggest um, places where people use their money, not considered in the uh, cost of inflation or in the rate of inflation. Right, just like jobless numbers, they came out and said the jobless rate was below five percent at four point nine percent in the first time in eight years or ten years or something like that. Well, they fail to you know count those who haven't been looking for a job for longer than a year or uh, people who have been out of the workforce for a certain amount of time. It's all uh, you know manipulated calculations. Uh, also, in this Moody's report, they go on to say that they don't see um, without big corrections from economies like China, uh, Europe, and the United States, they don't see uh, how they can get out of this. They say they can, <clears throat> like Jerry said yesterday, tame it and, and slow it down through quantitative easing, easing programs, uh, not in America, but for places like Europe and Japan. Right. But this would just continue to slow the uh, overall <laughs> collapse or calamity in the economy that we will so- soon see. And actually make it worse. Interesting. Now, yeah. this is Joe. I'm I, uh, sorry Go for it. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to lead off with this, but I didn't. I didn't want to. I was. We were going to lead off with this, but that's uh, because as things go, you want to make sure that we have all of the facts. Now it appears to be over with and not an issue. But uh, the uh, UMass University of Massachusetts in Amherst, there was an active shooting scenario there. Uh, it appears that uh, there was a one gunman at the uh, University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Uh, apparently, no one was shot. The authorities or the law, uh, law enforcement did. Uh, uh, are they interviewing suspects? There was a shelter-in-place command. Oh, with joy, right? Um, there was a text that was sent out to all the students here about an hour before airtime, about six o'clock p.m. local time. 
that there was a hostile armed person in Pierpont Hall at the southwest residence area, and a handgun was shown but not fired. Bottom line here, it appears that uh, the suspect with a gun is a white male wearing a dark-colored shirt, gold chain, uh, second person, there's a second person involved wearing a, a, a gray sweatshirt, one gun seen. Order for shelter in place was uh, given around 6 o'clock p.m., 6.30 p.m. The school sent on the notification to the school community, uh, reminding the students again that the uh, shelter in place was not just for the uh, Pierpont Hall, but the entire campus. Word spread throughout the campus very quickly, and that's when we caught it, and it was an active scenario at that point. Now it appears that, uh, I, I don't even want to say it appears that, that they, that this is over, but the information we're getting right now is the, uh, situation has been contained. Now I just want to urge caution. Okay. There doesn't appear to be anyone, um, anyone hurt. There's no shot fires fired, but it's 713. And this, this is coming from the university now. Uh, please resume normal operations. The university will lift the shelter in place. So I do suspect that uh, in order for them to send out a text like that, that the situation has been diffused. Again, University of Mass, Amherst location, uh, two uh, males, one gun, scare, you know, for, uh, but it's been lifted. So, and apparently without any incident. So, two articles there you go. Uh, from nextgov.com. Yep. One. What the White House cybersecurity plan says about the Internet of Things, this is something that I've talked about on numerous occasions, and I have a a YouTube series on the Internet, what is the Internet of Things um, that I've already written. What is the Internet of Things? Outlines for, well... um, Because, uh, and I'm serious about this. There's a different definition in this article, uh, but here, let me do this. Let me pull up my actual... um, Because, folks, you might think you know what the Internet of Things is. Because I thought I knew what it was. Yeah, the Internet but of Things it has is basically a technical the, meaning. It's the connection of everything. Uh, and when I say everything, it's basically everything. The smart. It's a big smart grid, and you're part of it. So are your appliances. Um, right. Everything's a part of it. And it, um, it's it's a it's a just to be clear, it's kind of like one phone line. With everything connected to that one phone line or, or one right. communication line, it, I mean, it's we're all connected to one another, and that is connected to kind of a it's like a hive thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, is that okay? Yeah. Um, let's see here. And, and people laughed at it, and I gotta say this: people laughed at Steve Quayle, they laughed at Alex Jones. You know, oh, your toaster's spying on you. You know. Ah, really? Okay, now it's coming outward. Yeah, yeah. Your appliances can pick up your voice, respond to voice commands, uh, whether it's your TV or your your thermostat. And, and this is a big deal with regard in the north and northeast. It's a big deal with respect to uh, thermostats and heat, um, controlling the heat. There, there, and sensors built into thermos or th- sensors built in where they could detect body, you know, uh, movement and bodies in an area. Um, but I don't want to get too deep into that if, because I know you've been really working in depth on that. But, but Well, let's look at what this article says here. Uh, again, from NextGov, nextgov.com. The and White House private is, site. Private site. The White House's new National Action Plan on Cybersecurity released earlier this month includes a nod to the so-called smart home and the vulnerabilities that could accompany an increasingly connect, 
connected network of sensors, devices, and appliances. It's among the first time we've seen the White House acknowledge the risks of the Internet of Things that could pose to consumers, and the formal signal of the administration is broadening its view of potential attack targets to include everyday devices, according to Forrester analyst Mark Hung. For the past year, Congress has been uh, convening hearings and discussions related to the Internet of Things, covering various topics including the potential economic benefit to American businesses and privacy concerns for consumers and encryption of personal data. The plan, the White House notes, the Department of Homeland Security is working with Underwriter Laboratories, a security certification company, to create cybersecurity assurance program that could evaluate connected devices for safety vulnerabilities before consumers buy them. These things might include refrigerators, medical infusion pumps, the plan said. It doesn't necessarily mean the White House and DHS plan to devote disproportionate resources to protecting consumers' kitchenware, Hung said. Although attackers, they value their time, too. They're going to pick the most vulnerable asset to attack. In most cases, it's going to be people's washers or refrigerators. Hackers may not be interested in hacking a refrigerator, but they may be interested in attacking the president's refrigerator or a Fortune 500 okay. CEO. And, and this brings me to something. I don't know how many people... Um, <laughs> I'm lost. Yeah, I'm lost too. I'm sorry. We just got a, a message, or you know, a, a red flash. Oh, the invasion of of smart appliances. Oh, okay. Uh, well, get on the get on the air, Eric. I mean, grab a mic. The uh, um, the smart appliances started a few years back with the um, new refrigerators, toasters, the lights. They were sending data through. Uh, uh, I forget what LED type lights. Yeah. And you know now you see the smart TVs and and whatnot. Yep. Uh, I guess so. It started with the 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 PC and the laptop. If you really want to think about it, with the microphones and the cameras. Well, actually, the cable boxes used to have the cameras and the microphones in them. Well, so. when you say used to, um, yeah, some they still do, still do, and they do they do under the some do under the pretext of of uh, making it kind of a, a a telephony. I don't. I'm not sure if that's the correct term uh, for convenience. Th- think of it this way. The convenience of Skype without having to have Skype on your computer. It, 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 that's just a, a very basic and broad, that's the way I understand it. All right. But anyway, um, but when I was looking for, when we, uh, I was looking for a refrigerator. And, and I'm, I was surprised at the level of sophistication. You can't buy a refrigerator anymore. Um, that's really just plain. They all are high efficiency, you know, the mm-hmm. HE efficiency, and that that come with that is are the uh, computer modules that open the door to such backdoor encroachments and, and and spying, if you will. Now, I was surprised when I was talking to one of the uh, salespeople who really knew what he was talking about about the level or the possibilities of actually, yeah, of being hacked by your or monitored by your refrigerator. As crazy as that sounds. Um, it, it actually provides a gateway to your wireless network. And think about that. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Of course it does. But every, and it's just like the front end washers and dryers, for example. Everything's high efficiency. The, it began with the toilets. Remember that? And remember Rush Limbaugh saying, oh, you know, the, 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 um, um, the Congress making a, uh, telling you how, how much water you 
you're allowed to have in the toilets. Well, when you when you take a, a, a view from afar of this whole thing, now we're getting into the larger agenda. That was kind of the opening salvo, in a way, uh, of conditioning the, the, the populace to accept this control over things, including but not limited to our appliances. And, and we're being forced into these high-efficiency front-end washers and dryers, which really don't do a, gr- a good job. I, I like the old, uh, and my wife is joking, because I do my own laundry, okay? That's what I do. Uh, ringer washer would be good. I don't know how many people are familiar with those. Well, nobody? <laughs> Am I too old? Yeah, in the, in the ice underneath the the freezer, right, for or the refrigerator, the ice block, you know, the ice man cometh. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but, but no, I, what we're seeing though is this, is this reliance on technology for the sake of convenience ostensibly, but the uh, end game objective here is to, is for a full surveillance state and the tyrannical yes, oppression of, 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 uh, the population. So you yeah. want to get off the grid, you better just unplug everything. And I don't have the, uh, the Internet of Things manual with me. I do have, uh, the goals and objectives for electronic health record implementation. That deals with the same things, but <clears throat> we're not going to have time no, to get we, into we that right that. now. As well as the, uh, you know, I put the, I, I was doing some filing this weekend. These are just guidances, uh, on RFID yep. uses and, you know, what the, these can be used for. Um, you know, I like the coffee stains on this one, but, uh, oh. this is, is a good one. You, uh, anybody who wants to read what, a class two special control, uh, implantable RFID transponder system for patient identification and health information. Uh, it's a good place to learn what exactly is a active RFID tag. It can come in the form of a chip, a tattoo, um, any type That's of right. implantable, uh, technology that is able to receive and transmit data. That is what they're going for. And they're doing it through things like the building a 21st century digital government by the White House or the National Strategy for Biosurveillance. Yep. Or even the Department of Homeland Security's Information Technology Infrastructure Services Governance Board. Each agency uh, basically has their own uh, board or department which puts these documents out, and these documents are the the missions. And each document includes basically the same mission statement and vision um, which are basically that for the safety of all Americans, um, they say that they're going to establish, for, for public health, they're going protection and promoting of public health. They're going to de- develop through voluntary consensus standards and establish safe and effective medical devices, radiation emitting projects, and emerging technologies. Uh-huh. This will be part of the standards for uh, the world in implementation for utilization of medical devices, innovation, manufacturing, and etc. The medical device manufacturers will encompass all patients, consumers, um, and the providers will have access to the consensus standards for medical devices and use of the information to protect and promote public health. And as we said, this is all voluntary till the beginning of 2018. But back to the article here, because there's two parts. This is uh, what um, is the White House um, doing to prepare for the Internet of Things, and they have a new uh, CISA, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Bill, that was just signed into law uh, in the last few days. 
And then this report, it says in January, DHS called the startups in the private sector who have technology that can detect devices and sensors in the Internet of Things and also verify or authenticate them. The Internet of Things allows every device, data source, communication link, controller, or data repository to serve as a security threat and be exposed to security threats. Now, that's for the um, cybersecurity uh, part of it to see where the vulnerabilities lie. The next part of this article is, See something suspicious online? Homeland Security wants to know about it. The Department of Homeland Security wants an extra $1 million to develop the public service campaign designated to increase awareness of online threats. The new initiative will be modeled on the If You See Something, Say Something effort rolled out after the September 11 attacks. The new cyber public service announcement will look to raise public and private sector awareness of cybersecurity and emphasize the importance of cyber awareness in information safekeeping. According to an explanation from the project in fiscal 2017 budget documents released last week, the DHS will work with local and state governments and law enforcement agencies, academic institutions, and private sectors and their companies as part of the campaign, according to budget documents. The original See Something, Say Something first debuted in New York City in 2002 in the aftermaths of the 9-11 attacks. Uh, and they go on to say that if you see something suspicious, it could be related to terrorist activity, so you tell a local authority. DHS took campaign nationwide, blanketing airports, train stations, public transportation networks with ads and announcements. Cyber-focused campaign would be smart or small to start, they said. DHS is seeking just $1 million and one full-time employee to administer the program out of the DHS Office of Partner Partnership and Engagement. The proposed staffer would earn in a salary of $100,000 a year at the GS-13 or GS-14 level. Remaining funds would be spent on distinguishing and distributing materials, ad buys, and other efforts related to the campaign. Since 2004, DHS has sponsored National Cybersecurity Awareness Month to educate the public about safe online behavior. DHS rolled out cybersecurity-focused public public awareness campaign, Stop, Think, Connect, in 2010, although it is unclear how deeply the campaign penetrated public awareness. And it goes on to say that the United States lacks cybersecurity-focused culture, the report concluding, contrasting U.S. readiness with that of Israel, which has a cultural mindset that it is suspicious of unsolicited emails and is constantly mindful of security. Last week, the Obama administration rolled out a new cybersecurity nation action plan, which establishes new public commission on cybersecurity and proposes billions in new funding to upgrade hard-to-secure legacy IT systems to use at federal agencies, among several other steps. So there you have it. All right. Obama rolled out the new cybersecurity national action plan last month. Interesting. Cyber. See, and part of this, we have to look at the TPP because it's, remember, CISPA, ACTA, and, and such, and, and the TPP takes us over, and, and there's an influence here with the Internet, the Internet of Things, and so all of this is connected. So look how fast the TPP has gone off of the, off of people's radar. It's just amazing. So we have to really understand that we're, that all of these, these, uh, headlines are connected.
Now, in case, you haven't, in case you haven't seen this, and of course I want to get into this real quick here, we had talked about uh, Antonin Scalia, his death, uh, Daily Crow, uh, dailycrow.com. It's dailycrow.com had done a really great job into the into the uh, research of the deeper, even the new, um, numerology meaning of this. And you don't. And, and I, I want to preface this by saying it doesn't matter if you believe in, in the satanic, Luciferian, ritualistic things that go on. It doesn't matter. You heard Russ Dizdar when he was on our program, and this guy, and Russ is an expert. I mean, he's he's an expert at this. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you think it's crazy, yeah, well, that's that's you. But these people believe in this kind of stuff. It's kind of like a motive for a murder, for example. It doesn't matter if you think that motive is is proper. I mean, or if you think it's legitimate, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter to the uh, to the perpetrator, of course. Well, Daily Crow points a few things out, which I think are very interesting. Um, uh, Antonin. Uh, Scalia died on the 44th day of the year, which happens to be the start of Lupercalia. Now, if you've never heard of Lupercalia, you can... Is it to do with leap year? Well, yes, but it's, it's, it has, well, it's, it's very ancient, um, uh, even Roman or pre-Roman festival. Uh, surrounds the wolf. Uh, wolf. Uh, it's, I'm not going to get into that, but it, it you, you can, do a search on it. It's L U P E R C A N or C A L I A. But all of that said, think about this. He died on the 44th day of the year. Happens to be the start of Lupercalia. In leap years like 2016, there are 322 days, interesting number, uh, remaining. The 44, you know, the number 44 keeps piling up and up. And people's eyes begin to gloss over. When we get into it, he writes, and it, he writes, it's getting to the point where we, where if you run from the numbers, you're just simply ignoring a massive chunk of the entire picture. And that, to me, that statement right there is so important. You can, you can say, ah, oh, this is all hokiness and stuff, but when you, when you do that, you're, you're closing off a section of the investigation, the research and investigation and knowledge that, um, should be factored into this. Numbers must be dealt with. If you intend to discern the larger tapestry, and there it is, we are looking at in in our view, we're looking at the larger picture, the larger tapestry. So yes, factor in the numerology, factor in things that that ordinary, even many within the new media don't factor in. And, and he writes, it's impossible to keep up with everything. Indeed, it is. Uh, more comes out within hours of posting from discerning readers who contribute additional pieces of the puzzle. And this is how we get a lot of our information. People will send us information, and we have the smartest listening audience, I believe, in the entire on the, on the planet. Um, the uh, he had done a great posting on this, specifically about the number forty-four prior to Scalia's passing. So that he uses that as a point of reference for Scalia. Um, and he writes as well with respect to Scalia and the number aspect of this. You've got to go really deep into it. The Illuminati ritual sacrifice would certainly garner a ton of views, but but it would be a deceptive and misleading approach. And and I like his reasoned approach to things like this. And I think that that we have to be reasoned and we have to be on balance when we look at things like this. Um. There seem to be a, a, a just a massive number of prophetic, prophetic events 
is it something far deeper, far deeper than secret societies, all right? Although they do play a part. Now, numbers do play a part, but also names and locations. And folks, really go to dailycrow.com and, and take a look at this article and just make it part of your consideration when you, when you think about the larger picture. And I, I, I love his term, the larger tapestry. Because that's what we're looking at, isn't it? It's a tapestry. Jerusalem captured 44 times in history, the 44th day of the year. Um, and he does note, Lupercalia, um, in parentheses, Calia and Scalia, it's a pagan holiday that in 44 BC added the third. Uh, college, the address of the resort is box 44 and located 44, yep, EBD, 440 miles, uh, south of Senate, uh, 444, yes, let me try this again, okay, the address of the resort is box 44 and located 440 miles from San Antonio. Antonio. You get a cookie afterward. You know, uh, yeah, you know, I, Sometimes, uh, and I, and I, folks, I realize I, I miss, I, I have, there's a lot of mispronunciations, a lot of stuttering, but that's just me. And if you don't like the oh, list, and then, me, then, t- you know, tune out. <laughs> but anyway, but this is really interesting how would, the information that he has uncovered and, and those of his readers as well. Um, take a look at it. We don't have time to get into it, but, but please consider this as part of the larger tapestry of things in his words, beautifully said, uh, and, and know that you know, circumstantial evidence, 90, really the vast majority of, of crimes, the vast majority of events, when you look at events, it, we'll just say a crime. Most people are, are convicted not necessarily on, on direct evidence, but circumstantial evidence. And I'll say this, circumstantial evidence is the most difficult evidence to manufacture. For example, you can manufacture direct evidence, and that would be, let's say, murder weapon. You could place a murder weapon or you could uh, we'll say a, a gun, you know, that, that fired a, a, a fatal shot, a bullet. You could certainly um, mess with the, you know, plant the gun or plant a gun or whatever. But the bottom line is circumstantial evidence is the most difficult evidence to manufacture. Having said all of that we're going to be right back. Crow, DailyCrow.com We're going to be right back after this short commercial break with Pastor Paul Begley of The Coming Apocalypse. And I'm going to open the Blog Talk Radio chat room here, as I forgot to do. But Pastor Paul Begley will be with us right here on the other side. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment, this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our special guest for this segment and the next will be Pastor Paul Begley. You know him, everyone, unless you're living under a rock. 
And, and then, then I, I suspect you wouldn't know, uh, Pastor Paul Begley. Pastor Paul Begley, the coming apocalypse. Before we get to him and Joe brings him on, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, parts, uh, as I mentioned earlier, parts of this broadcast brought to you by nuts.com. So it all began one day, real, just real briefly, it all began one day when, when, uh, I was uh, I, I ordered from nuts.com and I said, man, this is a good product. One thing led to another. There was a conversation. Uh, anyway, they, they said, hey, you know, uh, maybe we can work something out. And you know, we could. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I had the opportunity to, to speak with the head nut at nuts.com. Uh, that's how it all started, and um, got on the phone with the head nut at nuts.com, the CEO, great guy. First question he asked was, how in the world did you get my phone number? And then the second question, he said, who are you again? No, it, it, seriously. Um, I, I bring that conversation up because I was so impressed by the fact that, uh, number one, he would he would speak with me, but number two, that he was deeply involved in product quality control. And now this is a hands-on man. So you, you're when you order from nuts.com, you, have, you are guaranteed to get the best product at the best price, the freshest product. And you know it's a quality item. All right. We get hungry during the day here at the studio. We don't have time, rarely, you know, have time for lunch. So having nuts around, that's a great way to curb your appetite. And if you've ever gone to the store recently, uh, looked at the quality of their nuts, their snacks, there's little selection. They're sitting around for months in cans and jars on the shelves. And you're not going to find a, a, a very good product there, whether it's sprouted almonds or uh, black walnuts. You're not going to find it there. So we found this incredible website that we are really hot and, and just excited about, and that's nuts.com. They have, in our opinion, the best-tasting nuts on the planet. Nuts.com is the simple and most convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy <laughs> snacks, nuts, and so on, and many other tasty treats from around the world delivered right to your door and when you go to nuts.com the items there are just absolutely you you could spend all day there looking at the different selections it's just so much fun and it's so easy to order but here's the best part folks right now new customers can get four free samples you can choose from over 50 options it's a 15 dollar value all you have to do is go to nuts.com Click on the blue microphone box there and enter our code HH. That's for Hagman and Hagman. Simple as that. No new customers right now. Four free samples. Choose from over 50 options. It's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, enter HH. And let me just add a couple more things. If you have diet restrictions, there are options there for all diets. I, I got a question in the, in my email uh, today. Asking, you know, why don't you, why don't you mention this? Because it's important for people like me, this emailer said, uh, they've got sugar-free options. They've got, uh, certified organic, certified gluten-free. So, and even if you like coffee, and I know Pastor Paul Bigley loves coffee, they've got over 39 different kinds of coffee and over 170 different flavors. Uh, they've got gift tins and custom trays, baskets of buckets of nuts. I mean, it's just incredible. The site is easy to use, 100, 100% satisfaction guarantee, folks. Nuts.com, microphone code HH. Nuts.com, microphone code HH. All right. Yeah. With that, let's bring on our guest, Pastor Paul Begley. Folks, uh, if you don't know Pastor Paul Begley, um, where have you been living? No, he's been a, a guest of ours and, and, uh, Really, uh, 
we've been guests on his show and, and he's been guest on our show going back since, since he, we he's began. like our show mentor you know really yeah. we we aspire to be like pastor paul begley all right we do uh, and he's been on yeah you're right he's been on the air he's 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 like on 50,000 different uh, stations and you know 25 languages i'm pretty sure um he is heard on jupiter <laughs> i mean he's got a huge show huge audience and a, and a very he's a very uh yeah, his website, well-researched guy. His website is paulbegleyprophecy.com. His show is here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Also, The Coming Apocalypse. Yep. And you can find uh, Paul Begley 34 on YouTube. And on his site, paulbegleyprophecy.com, he streams his show also on video every day, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or Eastern Daylight Savings Time, or yeah. Eastern Time. Yep. And he's been expanding. Um, even are you still pastor are you still doing your your friday night tv show yes yes matter of fact uh it's on uh, direct tv channel 367 every friday night we're actually going to be expanding tv but that's we'll announce that soon that's great well, that's man. awesome well welcome pastor paul begley to the hagman and hagman report it's been too long glad to have you here and uh i know that you're just off of uh your wife's show right before ours so i know that uh you know, this is kind of a sacrifice for you to be on tonight, but but thank you for joining us. Um, current events, my goodness, have we got a lot to talk about. Um, where do we start? In your view, what's the most important issue, or, or at least at the moment, what's the most timely wow. issue that we should address? Wow, <laughs> wow. I yeah. mean... Uh, you know, I, I guess if you take a step back and look at everything, if you looked at everything globally, um, the I mean, anytime people are being killed and murdered, and and wars are raging and suicide bombings, and so I would say the mid the, the Middle East madness is uh, would probably be number one because everything's affected by it, including the economy, the price of oil. Um, the sovereignty of nations, and this isn't any just one. This isn't just any kind of war. Not just two nations upset at each other, fighting over boundaries. But we're dealing with right now. I counted there's 17 different armies that are in Syria. 17 different armies, and uh, Saudi Arabia and Turkey, and six other. Nations have formed what they call a Sunni coalition, and they're about ready to uh, launch an invasion into Syria, and we still can't find out who they're going to go fight. We don't know who they're going to fight. Um, Turkey says they're going to fight ISIS, but they're buying the oil from ISIS, and they're bombing the Kurds. Uh, so that would be the first one. The second thing is, I think you got to look at the economy, world, the global economy, because of what's been going on in the Asian markets and the sliding, the worst start ever since 1932 in Wall Street. So I would think Middle East madness is number one, global economy is number two, and the American election and everything that goes into that, which in, including Judge Scalia's death and Donald Trump and the Pope having words of one another, all of these things, I think all of this, these three things are the... I'll put us the top three on my bucket list. Not bucket list. My three things on my hot list uh, right now. All right. Well, Pastor, let's start with the Pope and what the Pope uh, interjecting uh, himself into the presidential race in the Republican side of the the aisle. 
um, saying about Donald Trump that he's not a Christian if he wants to build walls instead of building bridges, then he's not a Christian. And then Donald Trump's response, uh, you know, saying, uh, you know, how dare you say, you know, question, you know, my faith, especially you being a religious leader. Um, this is turning into a, a big fiasco. I've never seen a, a pope, uh, and, and my father was mentioning that he doesn't ever remember a time where a pope, you know, mentioned a presidential candidate or brought up issues that a candidate was talking about ever in history. But not only that, the Pope, uh, as Drudge Report is reporting, lives in, you know, uh, around uh, a town of walls, huge walls, and has the strictest immigration and citizenship policy in the world. Why, why do you think the Pope would, would be interjecting himself against Trump on uh, on this issue? This is a great question, Joe, and you've, you've shaped it up very well. I mean, here's the thing. The Pope, as you said, the Pope lives in the Vatican. They, they do have the strictest immigration laws in the world, and he has very tall walls. Um, and and then he says it's you can't be a Christian. I think he even says it's not the gospel about building a wall. Well, I, I hate to say this, but he needs to go back and read the Bible, and here's why. The first thing, I mean, God told Nehemiah to build a wall to protect the holy city of Jerusalem. And there was breaches in the wall. As a matter of fact, it had been broken down, and the enemy had been running in and out and raping women and, and stealing and robbing. And this had gone on for over 20 years. And they couldn't, and they were infighting so much, sounds like Congress, but they had been infighting so much they couldn't build the wall. And finally, God raised up a prophet by the name of Nehemiah and says, build the wall. And he got the people, he fired the people up. They all got a mind to work. They, they, they laid down their differences and they, uh, he said, put a gun, uh, put a weapon in one hand and a, uh, tool in the other and rebuild the wall. And what they couldn't do in 20 years, they did in 52 days. They built the wall. Now, the Bible also says to, uh, guys like you and me, he says, I make you guys watchmen's on the wall. If you don't have a wall, you don't need a watchman. Okay. I mean, where you got to hear everybody's running around saying, I'm a watchman on the wall. Well, you got to first have a wall. And why is the wall is, is a, it's a boundary. It's a border. It's a defense mechanism. It's biblical to protect the, your, Jesus said, if you knew what hour that the thief was coming in, you would not suffer your home to be broken into and steal. It's a principle to protect the, a mother has a baby in its womb. Her womb is its wall of protection. I mean, I, I just, I'm stunned at the statement. And the reason, it wouldn't matter if he said it to Marco Rubio, because Marco Rubio is a Catholic. Marco Rubio has already said that the Pope is, is off track on this one. Matter of fact, Mike Huckabee, just a few minutes ago, kind of went off on the Pope over this. And every, even Jeb Bush said, I think the Pope made a mistake. And I think at the end of the day, every Republican candidate's going to say, well, what are you talking about? Here's why I think he did it, to answer your question. There's a global agenda of, of global citizenship, a new world order that says we can have no longer any nationalism, no more borders and boundaries, but we need to all become as one, a global initiative. And the you know the president just uh, you know the, the the pope has just been here to America. 
met with the president, spoke to the Congress, spoke to the United Nations. Now he, he went to Cuba then. He's back Cuba again. He went to Mexico. He went right up to the border. And I think that he is trying to help push this agenda of globalization. Um, and no better way to get the New World Order established than to bring down the barriers of America. I mean, America is the strongest nation in the world. You'll have to tear down its walls if you're ever going to get to it. And so it's not just a physical wall either in Mexico. I mean, you got to look at the immigration policy. Look what's happening to Europe. They're screaming now. Matter of fact, the European Union just told Alexis Tsipras of Greece, you got 90 days to fix your immigration policy, who you let in there, or we're going to shut your walls down. We're going to shut your border. We're not going to let anybody else come from Greece into the EU. I mean, this is unbelievable. So I, I don't know what the Pope was thinking here. I mean, but he and he's never, you're right, never has a Pope jumped into a political arena and but if you go after Trump, I think you got to go after every candidate. All six of them, they're all saying the same thing. I don't understand this one. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and again, uh, just having the Pope uh, I- inject himself into current uh, United States politics, and and even the, well, in totality, at all of the statements that he's made about various issues. This truly, like Obama, the Pope appears to be a citizen in, uh, of the world, as Obama is exactly. to some extent. Yeah, and, and it's, You're it's exactly all for the, right. yeah, globalization, right? I mean, that's, You're right, Doug. I mean, he's, he, this is what they're preaching. Obama and Pope Francis are preaching globalization. So is Angela Merkel, of, of, and she's leading the way to do that in Europe. David Cameron of the UK, this new Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau, you're going to see there's, there's going to be a heavy push within the Western nations to embrace this globalization. And that will, uh, you know, that's what's going to usher in quickly. I mean, you have to do it. If you're going to do a, a new world order, if you're going to have a one world government, you're going to have to do that. And I think you're exactly right. The Pope is definitely pushing globalization. Indeed. And, um, you know, reading a lot of the globalist owned publications, books, memoirs, and whatnot, plans, the trade agreements, the worldwide trade agreements and trade pacts is one of the last things necessary to implement this new world globalist order and we see the TPP recently um, you know getting through and, and becoming law if you will uh, along with other trade agreements from past like NAFTA and GATT and we saw how that had gutted our our um, manufacturing sector here in the United States now the TPP is going to further and continue where NAFTA left off and it will force uh, a, a globalization in a way, especially when it comes to consumerism. You're exactly right, uh, Joe. What's what's happening here is the TPP just opens up trade and takes down all the barriers and the protection of your own national market. In other words, the businesses that operate here in America lose all leverage with the TPP. And that's partly why I think there's this resistance with Trump. I mean, I mean, all right, not only the wall and make Mexico pay for it, 
But but he's saying revisit the immigration policies and how you know vet these people much stronger. But the the other thing is China. How many times you've heard him say China? China, our jobs. We got the TPP is awful. It's a horrible agreement. We have to change it. It's a terrible deal. And he's right because what it does it takes all the leverage from the greatest nation of the world and it strips us down to where we're as weak as the weakest nation. And all that's going to do is like pouring, you know. Something into water and saying, "Well, it's still water." You know, pouring mud into water, saying, "Don't worry, just shake it around. It's still water." No, it's 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 being it's being polluted here. You you've taken down all the opportunities. So you're exactly right. This globalization is not just global citizenship among people to migration, but it has to be in a world economy. You can't have global trade without actually finally stabilizing some type of world currency. That everybody's on the same money type of money, and so that's got to break down the trade agreements and then change the currencies. I think that's what you're you're viewing right now. Isn't it interesting? I, I think in in just the conversation, just this conversation, we've talked about the Pope in the context of of, of a new world order with references to Obama, but the uh, specifically with with respect to the uh, the globalism. And in so doing, we, we've, we touched on the economic, we've touched on the geopolitical and political, and we now we've, we've referenced the religious aspect of this. What, what I see taking place is, is the, uh, the, as you, as you pointed out, is this Pope ushering in or being the grandfathering in or fathering in or being the, the head of the dilution of all three major monotheistic religions to say, hey, all three religions, they all point to the same, the ways the same. And so what we need is a, a religion of the state or a religion of the, of the globe where everyone can get along. So we are going to, to dilute the, um, dilute Christianity, dilute Judaism, and even to some extent dilute Islam. Make sure everyone says, they all point to all roads go to heaven and, and then pervert the doctrine of all three monotheistic religions take Jesus Christ out of the equation as the savior and of course um, make it, make this a, a, a PC user friendly religion that's one thing to everybody isn't, isn't that kind of what we're, what we're seeing here absolutely it, I, I can't say it any better there's no what else to add it's exactly what's happening the Pope is being the conduit. He is the one that's going around blessing every move. You know, he blessed the White House, blessed the Congress. Everybody falls, go, go bless the United Nations, and then, you know, go bless the Castro regime. Now, Obama just announced today he's going now, and now he's going to Cuba next month to bless this communist regime. These guys are tyrants. The Castro brothers raped and murdered and stole and robbed and oppressed a nation of people for 60 years. Might have even had their hand in the assassination of John F. Kennedy, for all I know. But the, and, and all of a sudden, we're going to embrace them? The Pope's going to bless them? Uh, Obama's going to bless them? What about the Cuban people? I mean, where's the, where's the freedom in this? Where's their liberation? Not, it's not going to happen. Communism. Now here's the thing. You know, the, um, when you say the Pope was involved in this, he is. I mean, uh, last year, the, actually the year before, he held a prayer meeting at the Vatican 
and it was Catholic cardinals, Protestant, uh, prominent Protestant ministers, uh, Buddhist priests were there, Jewish rabbis were there, Islamic imams were there, sheiks were there, uh, Maoists were there, I mean, <laughs> Hindus, gurus were there, I mean, everybody was there, and they all prayed to their God, through their name, yet they said they were all touching the same God, which is absolutely ludicrous in Christianity. We know that's absolutely wrong. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's ludicrous in Judaism, and it's even wrong if you're a true Muslim. It don't even make sense. So to your point, you, the, the only way you're going to stop what they think, bring world peace, is to have one world religion, because they, a lot of people believe religion is the reason for all wars. Well, it certainly is for most wars. And so... But here's something that happened to that point. Peyton Manning was told, and he's, he's let that be known before the Super Bowl, that he was reminded that when he gives a press conference, whether he wins or loses, but certainly if he wins, make sure when you give credit, you don't say, I want to thank Jesus Christ. You can say the Lord, or you can say the man upstairs, but don't use the name of Jesus because we don't want to offend anyone. And matter of fact, the players' union, in their last bargaining agreement, signed in that, it was in the players' agreement, that the name of Jesus cannot be used. This is why Tim Tebow is no longer in the NFL, because he obviously refuses to follow that rule. So what's happening is, this one world religion has to exclude Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ cannot be involved in this anti-Christ religion. Uh, duh! I mean, are you serious? It does make sense that Jesus Christ would, wouldn't be a part of the Antichrist. So, Joe and Doug, let me just tell you something. In the six years that, we, that we've been following uh, current world events and doing these daily programs, I can tell you I've never seen anything so rapidly coming together as I'm witnessing this new world order and the one world government, the one world religion, the one world currency, and you're soon going to have an antichrist and a false prophet. It's coming together so quickly, it's it's actually amazing. <laughs> Indeed it is. And this is something to me, um, Pastor, that that um, the, the, the rapid nature, as you just pointed out, the rapid nature of events, how quickly this has all uh, really happened, especially, in, well, since and Tom Horn, who's been a guest on our program, you know, who wrote uh, numerous books, including Exo Vaticana and Petrus Romanus, uh, he was right. I mean, uh, this Pope appears to be playing a position of of bringing in this this diluted Christianity, as as we see him um, giving the imprimatur, a Catholic term now, um, on. Contraception on even somewhat on abortion, and, and, and I don't yeah. want to take it too far out of out of the context. But well, Pastor, what do you have to say about this? The Pope um, stepped back his uh, his ban or his uh, problem with contraceptives being used in the case of the Zika virus. He's saying, you know, it's okay. It, it's the lesser of two evils using contraceptive if you have the Zika virus, because they say that this Zika virus or Zika virus is uh related to abnormalities in uh, women who are carrying the virus who are pregnant and have babies they say it it shrinks it shrinks the brain and the head well the pope has come out and said you know uh in in this case it is okay to use contraceptive and in a way i took it as you know it's okay to conform to the world 
to keep yourself out of danger. In this case. Right. Right. Well, yeah, this is just the beginning. It's a great question again. This is, this is the beginning of the peeling away of the onion. Okay. He's peeling away all of the, uh, Catholic doctrines that they have held to for, for literally for mil- <laughs> over millenniums. And he's peeling away by giving ex- exceptions and reasons. And, and to pick the Zika virus as his reason is one of the most weakest excuses ever. I mean, look, I, I'm not against contraceptives, but I mean, this was a huge thing in the Catholic Church. Let's face it, this is like, I mean, mean, my Lord, this is huge. To shift from that is incredible. And to use the Zika virus, which we're not even sure it is linked to uh, microcephaly. I mean, there's some saying it is, but then we've got doctors saying, for instance, of the 4,200 babies born in Brazil with microcephaly since October, only 17 of the mothers test positive for Zika. So, I mean, there was a there was a GMO mosquito built by Bill Gates's company out of uh, a company he was funding out of the UK called Oxitec that made a made a genetically modified mosquito, and that mosquito was supposed to go through and kill all the other mosquitoes that carried both dengue, yellow fever, and Zika. Well, instead, there was some type of mutation. The mosquitoes are spreading Zika like crazy. And But what I didn't know was they also, the same time they released this mosquito, they poured a larvicide in the water, and the larvicide is tied more to the birth defects than the mosquito. But whether it is the mosquito or not doesn't matter. The fact, your question is the fact, what do you think about him changing his position, a position so staunched in that, uh, the Catholic Church, and just flippantly just make changes? And he does this on a lot of things. He, he, he is... He is there for one purpose, and, and that is to graft all religions into one. And, and to do that, he can't continue to hold traditions of the Catholic Church and tell everybody else to cave. He has to cave a little here and there as well, and that's partly how they do that. That's how, how they are pulling this together. If I can ask you, Pastor, about the Jesuits, we know that this current priest is a, or current pope is a Jesuit. And, uh, you know, when we say this, when we refer to Jesuits, people... He's the first Jesuit pope in history. That, correct. That, that's what I meant to say. And if, if one looks at the, at the, the Jesuits and, and this pope, um, there, no one really weaves deception better than the society of the Jesuits. Now, I know I'm going out on a limb here by saying this, but but they are Rome's, really, the defenders of the Babylonian paganism that uh, really is in direct opposition to true Christianity. At least that's my understanding. And, and, but, but the average Catholic, the average Christian, the average Catholic really does not know about this, and the Jesuits would... Uh, really, um, they're, they're hiding this, obviously. And the history, the rich history of the Jesuits in terms of what they, the influence that they have had over the Catholic Church, the, um, well, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's rather incredible. What do you say about the Jesuit uh, influence that we're seeing right now? Is this something that we should really turn our attention to? Well, to this to this very point here, uh, I was just in Orlando, Florida last week, or no, this week, yeah, yeah, Monday night, this this week, Monday night, 
I had a coffee. Uh, we, we just uh, told anybody, said, hey, look, we're going to be at the Cheesecake Factory uh, in Orlando, Florida on Monday night. If you want to drop by and have coffee with us, we're going to be there for a couple hours. And we did have 13 people contact us and said they were coming. But actually, 31 people showed up, so it was kind of wild. We, we finally got a table. We, you know, it, was, it was a great time. But uh, here's why I'm bringing this up. Of the 31 people that showed up for coffee, 10 were Catholics. I have a lot of Catholic followers. I have a lot of Catholics. All 10 of them told me they're born again, that Jesus Christ is their personal Savior, and they're born again. And they love our ministry. A couple of them said they listen to the Hagman Hagman show all the time. You know, they say, I listen to just you, the Hagmans, and Anita Fuentes, and that's it, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and you got people does. I got someone say, I just listen to you, Hagmans, and Rick Wiles, you know. So, but there were 10 Catholics out of 31, and, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm a Protestant minister, but I have a third of the followers, and it's about what it is. About a third of my overall followers are Catholic. And so, uh, or have been Catholic and have been, and maybe have left the Catholic Church, or a lot of them are still in the Catholic Church, but love our broadcast, and, and I've baptized about a third of the people I baptized last year were Catholic. About 35, I think, Catholics I baptized out of 117 last year. So, well, and, and here's what's the, here's what's happening. They realize that they need more than just the, the rules and regulations and uh, some of the standards. They need more than that. They're looking for a personal relationship with God. And so, and they also know there's more going on in the world that there's things happening that have to have a spiritual answer to. I mean, it used to be you, Jack Van Ippy would say, in 40, you know, someday you'll see these things happening. Well, today we say, let's tell you what's happening today. We don't even talk about what's coming down the road. We're telling you what's happening now because we're in this very prophetic time. And so the influence of the, I believe truly with Pope Francis, um, and the Jesuits, when I was writing the book, Mark of the Beast, RFID, I was writing the book. It's, it's based on current world events and Bible prophecy. And I created, God just said, write a novel, okay, using knowledge you know, um, you know, sort of like what Dan Brown does. Take the knowledge you know and put it together. So I took the knowledge of the current events, what the Bible says prophetically is coming, and wrote a story. I wrote in the story that Pope Benedict died and a new pope was chosen, one that would change things. When I wrote it, the Lord came to me and said, no, 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 change that. Right, Pope Benedict resigns and a new man's chosen. Now, I knew historically there had not been a, a Pope die in 600, uh, there had not been a Pope resign in 600 years. So to write that in a book is kind of like, are you crazy? I understood later after I published it that Tom Horn did the same thing. Yep. And, uh, in, in his book, and six months later, Benedict does resign. And Francis is chosen. And Francis is involved in the process of changing things. And so, I mean, I don't, th I just think maybe that was part of the Jesuit, uh, maybe that, that, that wing, let's say it this way, maybe that wing, uh, of the Catholic Church was preserved for that very reason someday. I don't know. I hate to think that far away, but I'll just say this. Of the ten Catholics that came to the coffee, and it was a great coffee. One lady among the ten told me that her, uh, one of her cousins or nephews, and I cannot remember what she said, but I have this lady's name. She, and she speaks fluently seven languages, including Latin. 
And she oh. and I said, oh, good. If I ever go to Rome to try to do it, I'm going to write a book on uh, the Vatican or on the Rome, a part of the Illuminati. You may have to be there when I'm there to get us around when Heidi and I are there. She says, certainly. She goes, I'll get you a lot of places you won't ever get into. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my, and she told me, it's either a nephew or a cousin is one of the chief chemists of the Vatican. And that all throughout there, there there's 666 and different symbols are ingrained in different places throughout the Vatican, actually in the walls and in the floor and in different places. It's hidden in the paintings and the architect. So she said, and I can show you these. Uh, so I found that, a, I mean, it kind of floored me, you know. I was like, whoa, hold it a minute. Are you serious? But, and I'm not throwing anybody on the bus because, like I said, I love all the Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ that I have. I, I love all of them. But, I mean, that's that's some serious stuff here. We're dealing with, it's sort of like this. The Illuminati, Jesus chose 12 disciples. He said, one of you is a devil, okay? Even when America was founded, founded with some founding fathers who had biblical principles that truly wanted to set up a nation based on the principles of Judeo-Christian fundamentals of the Bible. But the Illuminati had a seat at the table. Not everybody at the table was, was there for the right reason. And so that's why you see this influence in many governments of the world. When I was in Israel, guys, I went to, I'm standing up in the Crown Plaza Hotel. Heidi and I were looking out the balcony window and she says, what is that pyramid sitting on top of that building? It, it's exactly green. It has an eye at the top, like, it, it looks like exactly in the back of our dollar bill. What is that? And I said, are you serious? So we get down the street, we get a cab driver, I say, can you tell me what that building is right there? Because when you're on the street, you can't see it. All right? can't see it from the street. I said, what is that building right there? He goes, that's the Israeli Supreme Court. All right? That's the Supreme really? Court. So we go to the Supreme Court, guys, and you can see this on some of my YouTube videos. I actually went in there and we filmed it. We got a, the whole thing. We went in there and took a tour, and they literally, at the Supreme Court in Israel, they literally are proud of this pyramid that sits on top there. They call it the Room of Enlightenment, and that their justices, before they make a decision, a ruling, would go in there and wait to be enlightened under the pyramid. you got to understand, the Illuminati has a seat. I don't think, that doesn't mean that the whole nation of Israel's Corrupt. That doesn't mean the whole nation of America and our nation wasn't built on uh, corruption, but the Illuminati has had a seat at the table just like Judas did in the days of Christ. So I see, you see this influence. It's not only at the Vatican. It's not only in Washington. It's not only in Buckingham Palace. It's, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> there's a little seat setting everywhere and it's because Lucifer plans on his final run of a new world order. This is his final run to try to make God a liar and to defeat and defeat Christ. Yeah, and and Pastor, when uh you know you're talking about traveling to to Rome and to the Vatican, we go back to the time of Jesus. The Roman Empire was the empire that was in control um, of yes. the world, really, at the time uh, of Jesus and the crucifixion. And then Titus came and tore down the temple and and Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And we know of Daniel's dream in uh, the book of Daniel where he talks about the, uh, gives the interpretation of the dream to Nebuchadnezzar of the kingdoms of the earth until the Messiah returns uh, at Jesus' second coming where he establishes his a thousand year millennial reign. <clears throat> and the two legs of iron 
uh, is the the Roman uh, system of of control, the global government of Rome, and where it splits off into the two legs. You know, you have the eastern and the western half. You have the um, the the spiritual now and the uh, the governmental, earthly governmental side. And you know, we see the revived Roman Empire today. Because when you travel from whether it's the Vatican, Rome, to Washington, D.C., to different cities, uh, important cities of the world, what do you see? You see the layout of the city, the symbolism, and the architecture of the old Roman buildings, the uh, architecture and uh, images of ancient Egypt, uh, from the mystery religions to Rome to today. And uh, it's, you know, no coincidence that we see the same... uh, types and styles and ways that we did back then, not only when Jesus was around, but back before then, when pertaining to Babylon and, and to the religion and the start of Mystery Babylon, the religion. So as you said, it is the same uh, people in control, and it's no coincidence either that the actual Bavarian Illuminati started by Adam Weishaupt was founded on the same day that America declared its de- its independence in 1776, <laughs> July 4th. Right. Exactly. It's not a coincidence. And uh, it's it's part of Lucifer's master plan. The Luciferians, global elitists, let's say, they wear many different costumes, uh, whether it's the sun god of Ray of, of the Egyptian pharaohs, or if it's, uh, you know, whether it be whatever. There's so many different paganistic worshiping, and all of it is still, and they're all... You know, it's like Eastern mysticism dressed up in Western clothing. It's the same Luciferian spirit, but it and it, it has its influences, as you say, in every major government of the world. I'm serious. Every major government of the world, it has its influence, and it's partly because it's got its foot in the door. You know, I was uh, George Washington had a tremendous vision, three vision. Actually, it was three visions he had for America. But after he got out of office, and even though he knew that the, the Illuminati was there, I mean, he knew they were. He knew there was people who had that concept there. And, and if I can, yes, uh, uh, Pastor, I got a quote from 1798 for George Washington. Uh, he says this, It is not my intention to doubt that the doctrine of the Illuminati and the principles of Jacobinism had not spread in the United States. On the contrary, no one is more satisfied of this fact than I, than I am. Exactly. That's, the quote from That's exactly the quote. You're right. And it was his greatest fear. There's another quote I think he gives where it's his greatest fear is that the Illuminati. Do you have that quote? No, Take that's the only up. one I have. Okay, there's another one where he says, and it's probably in the same writings that you're quoting there, and that is his greatest fear is that the Illuminati would overtake or take over a soft, this sovereign government. I don't know the exact words he used, but his greatest concern and fear was the Illuminati would eventually take over the United States government. Now, there's six presidents, starting with Washington till John F. Kennedy, that voiced the same thing. They're con- and they, they voiced it, every one of them, after they got out of office, except Kennedy. He voiced it while he was in office, and then he gets assassinated. And all six of these different presidents say basically the same thing. Their greatest fear is that the Illuminati will take over the United States government. So, you, you know, you just right there quoted it. 
they know. I mean, but since John F. Kennedy, we've never had another president write that in their private letters or, or make that statement. And quite the contrary, every president we've had since then has basically endorsed um, the New World Order, especially, you know, after George H.W. Bush on 9-11 gave his famous speech of the New World Order that's been embraced. Matter of fact, Joe Biden has given 13 speeches since he's been vice president where he has embraced the new world order and that it's time for it to happen. And even at West Point where he told them they're going to be these young cadets, you are going to be the ones that implement it. So th- there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. We are, we are watching the beast, the biblical beast. You know, you mentioned Daniel on the two legs. You're right. We're, we're watching the biblical beast rise right in front of our eyes. And does that mean we should throw up our hands and quit and give up? No. We should fight the good fight of faith. We sh- we are watchmen set on the wall, and uh, we must warn the people of what's coming upon the planet. We must prepare people for the the great three great woes that will come upon the earth. And at the same time, if they get Christ in their life, you don't live in fear. You live in faith. I know what's coming. I'm not scared of it. I'm not afraid of anything that creeps and crawls on the planet. We cannot be if you know who Christ is in your life. But Amen. we have to warn the people. As you know, Doug and Joe, we have to warn the people what's coming. You know, that's so important. People accuse us of being purveyors of fear, of fear porn. And it gets tiring to, to hear that. And, and it, 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 and we struggle with this, but, um, only because we, you know, we have to be introspective. And are we doing the right thing by exposing the darkness? And yes, I think, uh, well, no, I, I believe in, as evidenced by the, uh, Instructions in the New Testament is to expose darkness and, and expose the machinations of the other of the people. So, so the the accusations of peddling fear or fear porn to me, it, it's a fallacious argument. But having said that, you know um, the answer exists not in well the, the answer exists solely in your belief and, and in knowing what the end result is going to be, knowing the fact that if you believe in our Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus Christ, then you are, this, this world is fleeting, temporary, and we win in the end, um, regardless. So, you know, I, but I, I do see a lot of fear out there, um, and that fear is misplaced. We don't lack fear of God, do we? We lack fear of, you know, many people don't lack, or many people lack the necessary fear of God. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're right. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, you know, so it, it means to respect God. It means to truly, really, really realize He is in control. And you, you fear that fact that He is in control. You're not afraid of God, but you respect Him greatly. And to fear Him as if you're not saved, if you're, if you know, you're living and walking in disobedience, you better get a realization that God is real, that God's judgments are real, but His mercy is real, is so real. His grace is so awesome. But they do accuse us, all of us, of, you know, spreading fear and the Lord, and you'll hear them quote the scripture, the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and sound mind. They don't rightly divide that. That's right. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but He absolutely expects us to warn people what's coming. And, uh, we're not spreading fear. We're spreading faith because we're telling folks, here's the truth. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I mean, if people aren't warned, why would, why do you need a watchman on the wall? If just, just 
bring the watchman down, tear the wall down, don't worry about it, let the enemy in, they do whatever they want to to the uh, citizens. So in other words, as a Christian or as a watchman, we see what's coming. We've got to warn the folks what's coming, and we've got to equip them. We've got to empower them to have the authority over the devil, over Satan, over the lies of the corrupt governments of the world, and to stand up for what's right and stand up with faith. You know, you have to have faith to stand up against an enemy. I mean, if you don't, you're going to hide in the foxhole. You've got to have some faith. And some, and that faith has to know that you're, what you're doing is right and that the Lord is on your side and you're not going to succumb to the wickedness and you're not going to believe the lies that, and propaganda that's being pushed down our throat from our, especially our lamestream media in America. It's, <laughs> it's gotten worse. Am I right, guys? It's gotten worse the last couple of years. It's, it's a joke. It's a, are you serious? It's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. I, I love it. I, I love it. I love your. You know, think about the Canadian free press. I can get news from the Canadians. I can get news from the Australians. I can get news BBC. You know, you got to watch them. But and I can get news from the Asians and from the even the Middle Eastern. And you can get it from everywhere else. They'll tell you mostly the truth. America, you got to wait forever for the White House to regurgitate it and package it in some type of pre, pre-propaganda package, and then they all sing the same little song. And it's just amazing to me. That's why there's shows like this one. Folks, keep listening to the Hagmans, okay? I mean, there's nowhere else to go when it relates to getting the news of what's going on. Stay with alternative media like that because that's where you'll hear the truth, and they'll also give you the a biblical perspective on it so that they can understand what's happening. That's why we do what we do. And, uh, because you get nothing but lies. I don't get everything right. I'll be honest. I, I, I miss it sometimes. Okay. I miss it. But it isn't because I'm trying to sell you, uh, you know, a, a bill of goods. I'm not trying to convince you of something that will end up corrupting your soul at the end of the day. If I make a mistake, I'll admit I make mistakes. But one thing I know for sure, my intention is to help you overcome to have victory. And to, and to and strengthen this nation and the world for Jesus Christ, not to pervert it and destroy it like we see the lamestream media of today. Amen, Amen. Pastor. With that, we got about uh, eight minutes left until our break. Do you want to touch on the Scalia issue? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. As a matter of fact, tomorrow, you guys are going to be my guests on my show tomorrow. Folks, those of you listening, come come to my show tomorrow. It starts at 12 noon Eastern. We're on for two hours. I'm going to bring the Hagmans on real early, okay, real early, like within 20 minutes. I don't have plenty of time to talk to them. And the reason I'm going to say that is because, Doug, you've got a very in-depth information about uh, the death of Scalia, and we want you to share that on our show tomorrow, and I think it'd be it's going to be awesome. Now, let me give you my two cents real quickly here, uh, at Joe. I mean, Scalia... <laughs> it's the only county in Texas there's a judge that's liberal. That happens to be the county Scalia dies in. That judge immediately says no need for a autopsy or a toxicology. And within hours, they are taking Scalia's body to a funeral home for quickly to get embalming going. Now, I don't know what all happened. They say there was a pillow over his head. Uh, you know, but this is the Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America. 
This is the one of nine judges, especially a divided court. He's the most strongest conservative on the court. If he dies and Obama puts in a left-leaning liberal, the court shifts five for the other direction, and we're in a world of trouble as it relates to the protection of the Constitution of the United States. Unbelievable. This is huge. This is huge. And you could say, well, don't worry about it no matter who Obama picks, it won't matter. The Republicans control the House and the Senate, and so they'll block it. I'm not so sure about that, because when Planned Parenthood was exposed of, uh, I don't know how many abominations on video after video after video, and we had a judge up here, we had a doctor up here in Michigan who was driving around with 14 fetuses in jars in the trunk of his car. I mean, are you serious? There's abomination. They're selling body parts right in front of everybody. Nobody, our Congress did not shut off the funding to Planned Parenthood. They approved it. They've given them another $541 million. They approved another $1.1 trillion in uh, bloated pork barrel full uh, agenda, passing Planned Parenthood. They just, everything got swept under the rug. So I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm absolutely scared to death that, uh, that the, the, the Republican controlled Congress will sell us out again. And I mean, so, you can't trust anything there. This is partly why you feel the anger and the passion rising. I don't, I don't know if uh, Judge Scalia was murdered or not, but I certainly think that there should have absolutely been an investigation just to make sure. I mean, it absolutely. But this, they just sweep everything in the rug and just and just wash it over the American people and just and just force it down our throat and we're just supposed to sit here and take it. And they thought for sure we would. They really thought for sure we would because we have been for about 40 years. And I think the people have got to the point now where we're sick and tired of it. We're taxed to death. Obamacare is breaking our back. Our premiums have tripled. Our, our uh, uh, out-of-pocket um, amount of money you have to pay, you know, yeah. is, is, is outrageous. Everything, I mean, we can't afford it. The Unaffordable Care Act is un, it's, it's unaffordable. It's insane. And, and taxation without representation is what we're feeling like. And this is getting, this is getting very, it's going to get very, very interesting this year. It's going to get extremely interesting. Indeed. And if I can just add something to the Scalia conversation, I find it just amazing, um, in the larger sense, 32% of, of the Americans polled in a Gallup poll had no clue who Scalia was. <laughs> you know, all right, and that's an interesting statistic. But They're not listeners to Paul Bagley Prophecy or... Yeah. A Hagman Hagman show, I can say that. Exactly. You know, and I'm not sure if they're just, you know, mind numbed, uh, you know, uh, gamers, but, but another interesting, uh, uh, percentage is, uh, 72%, I believe, I believe it was 72%, or no, 32%, 79% of the respondents to a poll, uh, from a conservative website, the total number of respondents were 40,000, 79% believe that the uh, death of Scalia was mysterious and, of course, uh, uh, had an element, a nefarious element to it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the, the latter figure, to me, speaks more about the uh, perception of our government, 
of the United States government and how people view the government, especially uh, those of us with conservative ideologies. That's a sad to me statement of um, a state of affairs when when the majority when you've got eighty percent roughly of, of the population who don't trust or don't believe a word that comes out of the government's mouth. Um, uh, how much further? I mean, how far have we gone down, and how much further? Do we have left until there's some sort of uh, pushback in, in a very bad way? So right, and you can look yeah. at this uh, Scalia death in the in the uh, cover up of facts, just like Osama bin Laden. You know, they basically uh, came out and announced that Osama bin Laden had been killed and his body had been dumped at sea with a proper Muslim burial, uh, and they came to announce this. You know, after the fact, um, just like this with Scalia, they came they. The doctor didn't even come to the to the aid of Scalia. They broke the, the Texas law. Uh, if a doctor is not there witnessing the death, then there should or there has to be an autopsy by law. And yet, you get a, a judge or a U.S. marshal that makes a phone call. They get over the phone confirmation, uh, and then they take with Scalia right out of there. And then the the mention of the pillow above the head. Um, the, the guy who made the mention tried to walk it back and say, no, it wasn't on his head or on his face. It was above his head. And, you know, we made the point yesterday or the day before that if that were the actual case, it would not never have been mentioned in the first place. Uh, the whole thing stinks, and it is just um, a slap in the face to the American people. And if it's not, if it was an unintentional natural uh, death by natural causes, they certainly did screw it up and did everything they possibly could to make the quote-unquote conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theories come out of the woodwork uh, for a purpose. And and the reason, there's no way they would have screwed that up. It's that because, bad. Joe, I mean, Doug and Joe, it's because we don't trust them anymore. This is how many times they're going to do this. Like you said, Osama bin Laden, Scalia. We could go back and back and back. There's been so many assassinations and, and strange deaths that go all the way back to Vince Foster leaning up against a tree in a park for the Clintons. I mean, we can go back. I mean, this is, there's been so many things that's happened. And we don't trust them no more. We don't believe their lies anymore. We know they're lying to us. And, and I'll bring it up. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hold that thought there, brother. <laughs> You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest tonight is Pastor Paul Begley. His website, paulbegleyprophecy.com. Go to his uh, website. Check out his show, The Coming Apocalypse, on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back with our third and final hour with Pastor Paul right after this. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour of this Hagman and Hagman Report with Pastor Paul Begley. His website, paulbegleyprophecy.com. That's paulbegleyprophecy.com. He broadcasts each and every weekday from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. He's found on Blog Talk Radio, also on YouTube, paulbegley34, and uh, you can hear him uh, also Sunday nights, Paul. 7, 10 p.m. Eastern at uh, on all those same spots. 
That's All great, right. man. And, uh, folks, tomorrow we're going to be, we were honored to be asked to be guests, uh, uh, on Paul's show tomorrow. So listen in spite of us. But one thing that I, uh, uh, I got some information today. I didn't know quite what to do with, and I was going to do a video. And folks, for the backdrop for tomorrow, um, you can go to our YouTube page. Just go to Hagman and Hagman dot com and, and click on the YouTube's, and you you can see the videos that I've done about uh, Scalia, about the death, and about the uh, responsiveness, or about the response, I should say. Um, but but tomorrow, what I, I decided what what I'll do is having vetted the information. As much as I have been able to, I'll just break the information I have tomorrow on Pastor Paul's show, and I believe that'll be the first out. I, I don't think any of the mainstream media has got this information, or if they do, they're they're sitting on it. But I do believe that uh, um, the information you'll hear tomorrow on Pastor Paul Begley's show, uh, tune into that show, regardless of us, but tune into that show because I think you're you're going to be rather uh, surprised by what we're going to deliver. Um, Pastor, and, and thank you again for joining us. I know it's a long day for you, and I know that you're, and, and you were sick uh, for some time, and our prayers have been with you, and, and I just want to say thank you for really being a trooper for tonight. Um, well, it's, it's always an honor, guys. It's it's odd. And I'm feeling much better, by the way. I'm feeling much better, and uh, so I kind of feel about 90%, and, uh, you know. Uh, That's great, man. Yeah, I'm going to be fine. Be fine. We've had so many people praying for you, and and we've gotten so many emails asking how you've been and and how you are, and and uh, you know, one, I mean, they hear you, but they want to make sure that you're you're you know okay. So this is great, and so we're just so delighted to have you on on our show tonight. But I want to get your take on this, and, and and if you if you permit me, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a kind of a back backdrop here. Uh, over the last seven days. In the, in the Middle East, we've seen critical mass, in my view, approaching. And if you're, if, if one looks at the Middle East and at the epicenter, that being Syria, and that we've said all along, World War III will begin in Syria. Syria will explode, not implode like Libya and such. Um, you know, a week ago, uh, the Kurds, the Syrian military in Iran using Hezbollah started really a, a general offensive to to contain, um, well, to, to close in the pocket that contained the last doorway into Turkey. And inside this pocket were remnants of the opposition to Assad. Now, under the cover of sustained air attacks by the Russian Air Force, the result has been made clear. Turkey understands that they are losing the war. Turkey understands that they now face total collapse of all their military, political, diplomatic goals. They are set out. They, they set out to achieve the overthrow of the Assad government and the, and the creation of a Turkish enclave, covering all of northern Syria was the goal. This attempt really failed for both Turkey and its Saudi Arabian allies. Now, a week ago, Saudi Arabia mobilized somewhere between what 150 and 250 thousand men for an exercise called Northern Thunder. In response, Turkey um, they initiated this. Uh, um, well, they began this this willy-nilly artillery shelling of Kurdish Kurdish positions inside Syria. Now, this shelling has not only lasted seven full days, but it's expanded from one city to eleven cities 
almost a dozen, well, actually a dozen cities today. So in seven days, they went from shelling one city to 12 cities. And in addition to all of the military response, Turkey's suffered three separate terror attacks, killing dozens of people. And we've had a, a guest by the name of Doug McIntosh on, who has got a, a website called uh, DoomerDoug.com. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and he summarizes this nicely. But but in, in the long and short of it is this, Pastor. We've gone from, in the last seven days, you've gone, we've seen this tremendous escalation over in Syria. Yeah, We've gone from no terror attacks in Turkey to three. We've gone from no Saudi Arabian allies uh, or soldiers to the minimum 150,000. We've gone from the the so-called diplomatic efforts um, uh, to, to find a peaceful situation, which I don't think that was ever the case, to now people saying, okay, buckle up, because we are going to, uh, things are going to ramp up. So in the last seven days, we've seen more events take place than we had in this area in the last really 70 years. Now, having said all that, the question I have to you is, Pastor, is are we looking at the biblical prophecy here I mean with respect to what's going on I mean what's your take on this I believe so I really do uh, I've been saying here the last couple of days that all the players are on the field if you go to Ezekiel 38 it starts telling you about the great battle of Gog and Magog that's coming now we're not getting ready to have I don't think the Gog and Magog war yet but the players that are going to be in that war are on the field. In other words, they're all there. They're actually all either in Syria or on the edge of it, ready to come in. When you mentioned this Saudi Arabian 150 to 250,000 coalition, it's actually, they're calling it the Sunni coalition. There's eight nations, which includes Egypt, which I, I found that fascinating. Egypt's involved and, and Kuwait is involved. Um, and Saudi Arabia and Turkey are teaming up is what it's really about. Uh, what's incredible about this, Turkey keeps bombing the Kurds. They bombed them again today. And like you said, this Northern Thunder operation has expanded from seven to 12 cities. Uh, they, they have to make a decision. I think Turkey, and they're trying to revise, they're trying to rebuild their old Ottoman Empire. And at the same time, Russia's trying to reestablish Mother Russia. And of course, both of them, Turkey, and Russia both would like to control that oil up in northern Syria. And, and you know, uh, Russia wants to use Assad as the puppet and wants to strengthen it with help from the Iranians and, and even the Chinese that sent 5,000 soldiers. But, but Turkey is the culprit here. Turkey and Saudi Arabia are the ones that are buying the oil from ISIS, which is in, that just absolutely blows my mind protecting ISIS to flow on into Turkey. Even ISIS is even control of one of the passport um, offices that's set on the border of Turkey and in control of making passports, making illegal documents and helping uh, you know, Syrians come across into Turkey, on into Greece, on into the EU. So you're right. There's something going to happen. Biblically, when we look at Ezekiel 38, it talks about a hook being set in the jaws. I think the hook is the oil. I think it is the hook is in the jaw. The armies have been gathered in. Um, Turkey's got to make a decision. Turkey's got to make a decision probably in the next 72 hours. 
are they, because the longer they wait, the quicker Russia and the Iranians can get their artillery, their defense mechanisms, get everything in position for a counteroffensive in case of an invasion by Saudi Arabia Turkey. So I think Turkey and Saudi Arabia will have to make a decision. They'll have to do something within 72 hours, although I hear they're going to make an attack in early March. That is word on the street, but I don't know if that's true. But I think if they don't make an attack or make it offensive quickly, an invasion, they're going to lose the element of surprise, and they're going to have to back away, and they may walk away. If they walk away, they're done. They're not going to ever pull it off. So could we have... Um, Psalms 83 spin out of that, which means an attack on Israel. See, at some point, they turn on Israel. Somebody does, or several of them do. But I think we're about ready to see a major Middle East war uh, that could be catastrophic. There's there's too many sarin, too much sarin gas, too much uh, nuclear stuff floating around, too many people with too many big bombs anymore. This could be uh, a catastrophe of global consequences here, and uh, it's really up to Turkey. If Turkey pulls the trigger, Russia will smack them. I guarantee it. Interesting. I mean, we see things, you know, since 2011 and the Arab Spring and the uh, well, the spontaneous Arab Spring to Benghazi to the overthrow of the uh, dictators and countries over there. It's turning nothing more but civil war uh, this is where the the immigration crisis across Europe and, and America is coming from. Uh, these displaced Syrians. Um, I forget the number that they said uh, a few years back, five, ten years back, how many Christians were in the land. I think it was a quarter of a million or or many million. Now it's you know reduced uh, below seventy five percent of the of what it was years ago. Uh, we see the persecution taking place, and you know just today there's an article. Um, out of the Daily Beast about Obama refusing to hit ISIS's Libyan capital. They say the terror groups gained ground in Libya, but the Obama administration has said no to a Pentagon plan to go after ISIS there. Yeah, well, that's amazing. Despite the growing threat from the Islamic State in Libya, Obama turned down a military plan for an assault on the ISIS regional hub there, uh, the defense <laughs> officials told the Daily Beast. And, yeah. you know, there's this conflict we see where Obama continues to talk about ISIS as though it is not a threat or though that they are taking care of the threat the JV the team, right? JV, yeah, the JV yeah. team then they're then they're bombing it and there's been some, you know, three thousand bombings of ISIS targets in the last year. Where's year all and the dead ISIS soldiers? Where's exactly. the bomb? I'm tired of hearing about his bombing campaign that he's killing, he's stopping ISIS. Here's what I see. I see a fifteen year old boy today in Mosul uh, getting his head chopped off in front of thousands of people forced to stand in the street of Mosul, which is the ancient city of Nineveh. And a 15-year-old boy, because they found him with a Walkman listening to music from America. He was brought before the Sharia court. In 10 minutes, they ruled he should be executed. They drug him out in the middle of the street and executed him. And uh, this is just common practice. And America, Obama talks about how he's fighting this war against ISIS and we've got them contained and everything's under control. When the truth is, these guys control half of Iraq, half of Syria. Uh, they're raping and butchering and crucifying and executing and murdering and beheading. And I, there's, this is the most insanity I've ever seen. 
to your point, since the the Arab Spring was actually authored by Obama, he called for the, every dictator that fell. He called their names out. And then Hillary Clinton went out there and made sure it happened. And then whenever uh, that happened, I don't know what he thought his plan was, because what, what ended up happening, pull out of Iraq, tell them 14 months in advance you're leaving, and then there's this vacuum. There's the, And then leave all the artillery, leave tanks and armored vehicles and Toyota Tundra trucks and weapons and supplies and, oh yeah, $400 million of U.S. currency in one vault in Mosul. And we just, and we're having some kind of bombing campaign. I don't see a bombing campaign. What I see, and it's not our guys, it's not our military people. They could do it, guys. They could do it. They could clean house. If the generals were allowed to do their job, this thing would have been over a long time ago. But you're right. This is like a this is this is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life, and it has now now you got too many players, too many different armies and groups, and everybody's got a, a skin in the game now, and they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I think that this, to be honest with you, I believe it's just begun. A lot of folks are tired of hearing about Syria, and they're tired of hearing about the Middle East. It's just begun there. This has been the warm-up game. Now you're getting ready to see the real bloodshed because you got too many people now who want a piece of this pie. It's going to get ugly with a capital U. I mean ugly. And uh, Obama has done nothing as the commander-in-chief of this nation but create this chaos. And I, I feel, you know what, you better pray for whoever is the next commander-in-chief. I don't know what in the world they're going to have to be able to do to bring this to a conclusion because there's the genie's out of the bottle. There's just there's too many players. Yeah, and you mentioned the uh, 15-year-old boy who was beheaded for listening to Western music today. I don't know if you saw there was an update on a previous story. There is a U.S. Marine who, uh, I believe it was a Marine here, that has a story on Fox News about a Marine who stopped or an Army man who's a U.S. Army or Marine personnel who stopped a 15-year-old boy from being raped who is being sanctioned by our government. By our government. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I don't know if you, if you heard no, that. No, I did not hear about that. Why is he being sanctioned? Because he intervened. Um, Interfering with yeah, local tribal customs. Here it is. Know. Decision looms for Army Sergeant who protected Afghan boy. It's on Fox News. A decorated Army Sergeant who protected an Afghan boy from a child molester could find out any day whether his actions will end his career in the military. Sergeant First Class Charles Martland, a Green Beret with an 11-year Special Forces career, was stationed in Afghanistan in 2011. When the boy's mother came to him, she said she'd been beaten and her son raped by local police commander and another soldier uh, summoned the police officer, and when the man laughed at them, they threw him off the base... Uh, and then they were both disciplined for them for their actions. Well, it has to do with the tribal customs. So yeah. that's the issue. Yeah, I, I, I did hear about this story a few months ago, and and they're bringing it up now because, I mean, how can you uh, court martial um, and ruin the career of a, of a, no doubt, a very brave American military personnel for trying to save the life of a young man that's being brutalized by these guys? I mean, this shows you the level of mentality of the Obama administration. This shows you the hypocrisy, the greatest hypocrisy I've ever seen in my life. 
is what we see constantly from the Obama administration. I tell you, I, I, uh, after having my son spend a year fighting in Afghanistan during the surge, and when he comes back, and then they literally humiliated thousands of U.S. veterans after they uh, endured uh, unthinkable conditions uh, and situations, and they were many times they were outnumbered and put in dangerous. He said, Dad, I was put in so many dangerous situations. It was insane. Um, and I said, well, it's because your mama was praying every night. It's the reason you're home. Um, you know, he said, well, I know. It surely wasn't because I was getting enough help. And and uh, the, the, the whole deal is this. This has been the biggest joke that's ever happened to an American. The military is being stripped down naked. Uh, the... the uh, the Obama administration has created the biggest massacre and madness we've ever seen. And no wonder Hillary's emails are being hidden and protected and, and covered over because if you really knew what all was in those emails, that's why she had to operate outside the system. There would be people being, they would be screaming for treasonary, uh, uh, convictions from the top down in the Obama administration of some of the things that's happened. Yeah, one yeah. of those examples, examples being, the, being the, uh, uh, the sale to the Russians of the uh, the land of the ranchers out in Oregon, uh, from the Bundy <laughs> Ranch in Nevada yeah. to the mineral rights of the uh, the Hammonds Ranch out in Oregon, where this whole standoff uh, that just recently ended, um, this all you know came back to Hillary Clinton selling those rights to Russia to the Russians. Yeah, and, that, and under the Obama administration, the Clinton. Connections with the Clinton Foundation, of course, but Hillary Clinton was the one that let this go through. The Russians are buying the mineral rights from these Hammonds Ranch, which they then took from them for pennies on the dollar. And this kind of mentality, you know, when you talk about eminent domain, you know, if you talk about putting on a putting in a bridge or you're putting in a, a highway or something, and and you know, there's a time maybe you have to work with people to try to acquire some of their property for that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about massive amounts of thousands of acres, and they're stealing it from these people because they want those mineral rights. And then you see the dirty hands of the Clintons involved in the selling this to the Russians. I mean. Uh, you're right, guys. Uh, everywhere we turn, it stinks to your nostrils. It's going to take, I don't even know, it's going to take one whole term just to figure out what they did and then an another term to try to fix it. I'm, I'm telling you, that's the, the mess we're in. Mm. Yeah, dude. You won't figure well, it all out. You won't figure it all out in the first term. I mean, they'll uncover... Under every rock, there'll be uh, there'll be a scandal. Under uh, uh, it's incredible what's going on here with the Clinton Foundation, the Obama Nation. Uh, it's all it's it's bad. Exactly, and the foreign money that uh, that's involved in the Clinton Foundation, the foreign money that that has been um, documented behind Obama. His first and even his reelection campaign, all of this together, it's just. Never before, at least in my memory in the history of the United States, have we ever seen such corruption at such high levels. And the nod of approval, it's, it's all right. We're not going to prosecute. Lois Lerner, I mean, <laughs> you know, we can go back and we... Pastor Benghazi. Evil. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean the Fast and Furious. 
And with El Chapo. El Chapo's got one of the guns. He's hanging out with the guns from Fast and Furious. Where's Eric Holder? He should be at a holding cell. Uh, 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 Hillary should have been in prison uh, four years ago. Um, lying directly to the, uh, to the citizens there. Like you said, I mean, uh, we've seen Nobody is. Nobody's ever been fired yet for anything. No one's been indicted for anything, Doug. I've never seen. And oh, by the way, I've never seen a former president involved in a global, global connections. You know, I mean, this is this Clinton Foundation. This is a new deal. I've never seen this before. Of all the former presidents we've ever had, nobody's been jet set in the world, getting paid a half a million dollars for for an hour, and then the favoritism with the wife working in the in the State Department. I mean, this is unbelievable. Can this really be serious? Oh man, yeah, exactly. Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, but you know what it is, guys, uh, Americans are watching reality TV. They're keeping up with the Kardashians. Okay? They're wondering about Bruce Jenner or, or, or Caitlyn Jenner or Bruce Kent, Jayden. They're trying to figure out. I mean, this is the, this is where our mind is. Our minds are in the gutter. Uh, and we don't even know what's going on and we're like frogs roasting on a pot. And, uh, it's going to take programs like this to open the eyes of the blind. Well, amen. And programs like yours, folks, we're talking with Pastor Paul Begley, paulbegleyprophecy.com, linked off of Hagman and Hagman. I'll tell you something, uh, Pastor. Um, you've done so much to, to really inform and educate the masses. And, and you've, it's just, I'm amazed when I look back over the last couple of years, uh, last four years, specifically, or even five years, to, to see how much the uh how the landscape of, of how people get their information has changed and and you're really a forerunner in the uh in this uh uh new delivery system of information and i want to thank you for that folks please bookmark his website and and tune into his show every day that should be it's just an and catch the on the archive too it's just an amazing um amount of information before we get back to pastor paul bigley i want to remind people uh american survival wholesale.com that's our place for preps american survival wholesale.com I, I was just told you know they do so well they do so much for so many that includes christians and and, and veterans and, and and everybody um chance from american survival wholesale.com had just sent me a note saying hey you know what the new king james bibles are in if you if you are in need of a, a, a Bible and you can't afford one, contact them. Contact AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. You see, this is what it's all about, folks. It's about getting the word out and the Bible and the word of God in the hands of people requesting it. So AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. They're going to be at the Hear the Watchman Conference in Dallas, um, and it's it's. But but they do so much for so many. So AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. There are go to place for all things preparation it's american survival wholesale.com king james bibles are in so if you if you are in need contact them by email joe uh go ahead sir all right um yeah number of issues here uh the monetary situation in this country pastor we've uh, had jerry robinson on yesterday he is not only an economist uh and an author but he's also a christian minister and he talked about the economic conditions of the world uh, economy that they have not been this dire even back from the 08 recession to the 2000 recession and before it 
what have you seen, or what what have you been uh, seeing with the uh, economy and where? In the chip too. You, you, yeah, like he's on, yeah, chip. he's on the uh, Pastor Paul's on the front line of the the, the chip and for the RFID stuff. Yeah, got to know, got to know. Yeah, I think in the, the economy, uh, we've never seen this is the worst start for the Wall Street since 1932. Um, that's a bad sign. And then if you look at the global markets, I mean, the global markets have really taken. They've been tanking. China took a big hit for quite some time. And then, uh, and that affected, of course, the rest of the Asian markets. Hong Kong it affected the Asian markets as well as the European markets. And then the, last week, we've seen two different days where Japan lost 5% one day and 4.8% the next day. And the Japanese market is in trouble. The currencies, you know, it's coming home to the Jap- to the Chinese because they've manipulated their currency values so long. And now it's, uh, it's in a process of correcting itself and, and, their economy is, it's disastrous right now. What's happening in their markets, in their markets. But that will eventually trickle down to their economies on Main Street there. And then if you take a look at Europe, Europe, Europe's got the several problems. They've got an unstable economy, uh, it's because of the markets. And they've got a migrant problem, a terrorist problem that's paralyzing Paris. It's freezing up France. It's got the Germans, uh, afraid to go out at night. People are not spending the money like they were, and instead they got to pump a lot of money into their protection of their citizens because of this migrant problem. So we're watching. There's a correction going on here. Uh, there is. There is a. It's more than a correction. I think that we're we're teetering on the brink of uh, a major decline from recession to something maybe even a little worse. Now I think America's got a strong enough financial base. That it can pull itself out, uh, and, and can correct itself. But we're so far in debt, we're going to end up being $21 trillion in debt by the time the next president is sworn in. It will be $21 trillion in debt. So for us to start to turn that around, are we going to have to start in with austerity measures as well? Is that, look what's Greece, Italy, Portugal, and Spain are broke, busted, and disgusted. And you have five of the largest major banks in Europe are on the brink of collapsing. That's another problem. So this is a, a time bomb. Uh, it's a time bomb, and you, you can't keep just quantum easing. You can't just keep printing money and hoping it'll fix it. That's what's, it's got to this implosion point. And so here comes the problem. I, I believe this. This is why you, you mentioned the mark or the chip. They, I, I talked uh, last summer, I talked to, uh, a lady who works for the federal government and they've built a system that is absolutely impossible to steal um, it's a biometric chip system that interfaces you your DNA with your money or with your ability to buy and sell and this chip system Will not work. You could, you, you can't work unless it's you. You could remove the chip from an individual and try to use it yourself. It won't work. It's tied to your DNA. It's absolutely foolproof. It's identity, identity theft proof. And they've got it. They've perfected it. They're ready to launch it as soon as the need, her words, the need arises. And what will bring the need is when chaos hits. And people are trying to figure out ways to just rob one another to survive. That this new Im- implanted 
system will be brought forward. And the, the microchip itself is not the size of a grain of, of rice. It's the size of a grain of sand. It will be so easy to implement. And, but there's more to it than that. If you study the Bible, you realize that it's not just the system itself to manage a one world currency, but coming along with it has to be social changes and denials of the current faith of Christianity. And, you know, it's what we talked about when we started the program with the Pope's involved in, and that's the blending of all religions into one. That's a part of how you bring it all about is uh, you have to have not only a system that will do it, they've got it. They've got the system that will do it. Now they've got to have a reason to bring it out. And I'm telling you, this unstable market that we're witnessing, and this could go on, this don't, this could go on for four, three, four more years, this instability, but the theft, the amount of theft and hackers, you guys hear about the hospital in Hollywood? The hackers held a hospital hostage in Hollywood, California for a week. They, they took over the computer systems of a hospital and the, and the doctors and nurses were having to write everything down, document by hand, and they, and they were transferring patients out of the hospital because they were being held hostage. These guys wanted $3.6 million to release their system. It's just a matter of time when the banking systems are going to come under the same thing. So when the need arises for a new system, when, it, when they scream for a new system, uh, you're going to see it come out. And so that's where I think we're at right now. It's, it, it, they're ready. The technology has caught up with the prophecy. The technology has caught the prophecy. Now we're waiting for the implementation. P- Pastor, how, how, is it, how would it be possible in your view for, for a, a Christian today, perhaps one listening to this very program tonight, how would it be possible for them to can be convinced to accept the mark of the beast and it not being or or a chip or whatever. I mean, how, can you walk me through that scenario? Well, here's what we'll ha- here's what they're going to do. First of all, they're going to be in the process of of weakening the pastors. They're going to convince the pastors to come off of their positions of faith that they've held, no matter what denomination they're from, from Christianity. They're going to start blending it. This is part of this blending and accepting this Chrislam mentality. You've got to first blend Christianity and Islam and Chrislam and tie this thing together. So that's already in process. This is being worked on right now, especially at some of the top leaders of major denominations as well as some of your mega ministries. So first you've got to go there. But here's the, if you're going to convince the masses, it's okay to do this. Uh, second thing you do is you start telling people you can't say Jesus' name. You tell the military chaplains you cannot dismiss a funeral or pray in the name of Jesus. You remove all the Bibles from off the military tables that you had in memorials waiting for the missing, um, those that are missing action. You, you, you know, you, you start this process of, of removing the crosses off the top of steeples. Have you ever been driving around and look at the steeples of churches now? Very few have a cross now. There's new steeples up, there's no cross. Okay, don't want to be offensive. Have to be inclusive. So this doctrine of watering down and milking it down, that's already in process big time. Mm. But then when you get to this, so when you come to this, you can't buy or sell. You can't get, you can't get health care for your children. If you don't 
take this system, which which also you're signing when you sign these documents to receive this new mark system. You do you also are agreeing that you will not be a part of any real radical Christian religious groups. Okay, you can't be a part of any militias. You can't be a part of any of those you know dogmatic Christians. You got to be a part of the overall. Be a part of the peace loving. You got you got to embrace this. We hate to we would hate to turn your children away. We'd hate for you to go to hospitals and can't get care. We'd hate for you to show up at the store and not be able to buy food. We'd hate for you to lose your jobs. You can forget your pension. I mean, when that's the pressure they're going to apply. But you couldn't you couldn't apply that pressure today. There's too many Christians who would say, Hold it a minute, wait a minute, that would stand up. But if you weaken them if you weaken the doctrines, if you weaken the gospel to such a point that it's okay, everything's okay, then this is okay too, and God understands, and he'll forgive us at the end. And they'll start writing stuff into the Word that's not even in the Word, okay? No, God won't understand. He said, if you take this thing, you're damned for hell. It's it's all, it's in the book, because you mm-hmm. have to deny Christ. It's coming, this, this system includes denying Christ. You will not be, uh, I, I get letters all the time, and emails, Pastor, how do I know? I don't want to be tricked into this. Don't worry, you won't be. You won't be. Not one person will be tricked into the mark of the beast on this planet. Every person that chooses knows when they sign it, they're signing away Jesus Christ. But they will be convinced that it's okay. They won't be tricked. They'll be convinced. This And, and Doug, if I could put a timeline limit on it, which I can't, but I can tell you what I've seen in the last six years, the last six years of biblical prophecy, where we were in just 2010 till now. I don't know how, this is unbelievable how quickly this is coming. If we are, if, if time should last six more years from today, uh, it would be shock me if we don't see people standing in line waiting for their, their mark. Would not wow. shock me. It's because the church world is a great falling away. There's a great falling away. I mean, what it means by it is falling away from the principles of the gospel. And, it would not shock me. I'm not saying it's going to happen in six years, but it would shock me as fast as what I've seen in the last six years. Who ever heard of an Arab Spring? Who thought we'd have this Middle East madness? Who ever thought we'd see such unstableness in the in the stock markets and Ma- Wall Street and Main Street? Who ever thought we'd see people actually being beheaded and crucified on a daily basis and it don't even make people nervous anymore? Who ever thought we would see 10,000 missing children in Europe Whoever thought we would see the sex trade and the, and the porn trade and the, and the drug trade uh, absolutely off the charts? Whoever thought we would see what we've been witnessing uh, in six years? It's incredible. Where will we be in six more years? And you're right, Pastor. They have the ability to, to launch the uh, you know RFID medical uh, electronic health record initiative uh either through voluntary compliance measures and pilot programs with incentives through, uh, or, or on the other side of that, um, public health disasters. You know, they say that protecting public or protecting health in a public health emergency requires uh, an array of drugs, vaccines, and um, mobile medical devices. And this is from the government's own writings. And they've passed laws from the 2015 PHEMCE strategy or the uh, Pandemic All Hazards Preparedness Reauthorization Act 
um, and they have ready to go in place the legislation to implement this system. Now, whether they have the technology ready, uh, they have the global unique identification database system set up, they have the uh, international, I think it's the, oh, I don't want to misquote it, There, it's an acronym, uh, it's IC something, ICBM, uh, no, that's the missile code. It's a, there's an international code for the, the global unique identification number, which is part of each and every mobile medical device. And they have the classifications, you know, one per se can be in the classification of a pacemaker where a second one is a hearing aid. Well, there is a classification of one that is simply for patient identification and health information. Absolutely. And that is what they can implement in times of emergency. Uh, across the board, or they can do it, as I said, through voluntary compi- compliance and pilot programs using incentives and de-incentives for those who choose not to comply. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in the Obamacare bill, this uh, RFID microchip implant, it's called uh, Identification Registry. This mm-hmm. is part of the plan, and that's supposed to be implemented by the year 2017. It was supposed to have been in 2013, but there was no way the public was ready for it. There was no way, uh, so, and they didn't have this, this, uh, identification system. I'm telling you that the, the lady told me who works for the federal government and actually were seen it. Okay. Uh, they didn't have it ready yet. They do now. And they can implement this thing. And in the year 2017, now they can always push the date out if they want to. But in the year 2017, it, part of the bill is that this is supposed to be part of the mandate. I'm not saying they're mandating the mark of the beast, but they're going to start this mandating that you have to have certain identification implanted uh, registry to, to be sure you are who you say you are. This is, like you said, they've already got it on anything you implant, like pacemakers, uh, breast implants, uh, just all kinds of different things that they can put in the human body. Those already come with these uh, RFID tags. Uh, okay, those are already in those. But they're going to take it another step. And you're right, they're going to use these different programs to help bring these initiatives across. It's already in play. It's in play. It absolutely is just coming down the pike. Another thing I wanted to throw out there, depopulization. Part of the reason why the Pope says it's okay now to have contraceptives He's part of this global sustainability of the United Nations. The Agenda 2030, they call it, global sustainability, includes decreasing the population of the planet. Well, you got to get the Pope and his 1.2 billion Catholics to start using contraceptives. you gotta, you got to get uh, people to less population, and it's going to be used in different ways. You know, you use That's one we're seeing this vaccination sterilization program by Bill Gates of hell. I mean, excuse me, Bill Gates. Uh, they're, they're, they're working on, sorry, as a Freudian slip there. It just happens to see Bill Gates of hell. I mean, you know, you know, but the thing is, what we're witnessing, guys, is there, it's creeping in. It's, it's, it's beyond creeping in. It's an, here's, here's the exact words. The agenda 2030. 15 inch in the year 2001 they started the 2030 agenda the first 15 years was the formation stage to get everything legally formation stage 
all right, and the concept form everybody on board, all the governments. But then starting this year, 2016 until 2030, it's implementation phase. So every year you're going to see more and more of the implementation of global sustainability. I'll throw this in as well. My wife's a Minson, so, you know, uh, last year we went to the National Minson um, Convention, three days, Louisville, Kentucky, where, the, of course, the Mensons are all the top 1% IQ in the world. So they have these professors that come in, and they use these Mensons as a think tank and to launch their objectives and ideals that they think is needed to save humanity. And they lecture after lecture had to do with depopulization. There's too many people eating. Cows are too big of a footprint. It costs too much to feed cattle and then to feed people meat. we got to get people eating grub worms, literally. We need to raise grub worms. How can we convince the masses? How can we, how can we implement more vaccinations? How can we, this is, and so you throw this at the top 1% mind thinkers in the, in the world. They go back and they think about ways to bring it and they bring it back to the next convention. And, and these things then get floated up to the top of the major governments. This is the agenda. They are marching. And they're following Bible prophecy. They're literally following the pages of the Bible. Whether they know it or not, they're in process to bring about the end times. And the, one of the reasons why God had me name my television show and my uh, online show, The Coming Apocalypse, which means the coming revelation, it's, it mean, it's a Greek word for revelation or unveiling, is because that's what's happening. We're seeing an unveiling, a revealing of the end times. And, of course, that also will include the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. Amen. And, folks, you know, this has been an information-packed uh, uh, segments, the, the two segments with uh, Pastor Paul Begley. If you have been enriched by this obviously visit uh, pastor paul begley's website watch him uh, listen to him um, weekdays uh, 12 to 3 and, and and support him because we need to we need pastor paul begley his wife his his uh, uh, ministry we need him we really do and it's it's we've been blessed here by the information offered by you tonight, Pastor. And it's it's an amazing it's amazing to to to, to sit here. And I remember I think one of our first conversations uh, about five years ago, maybe even a little bit longer, and, and thinking about where we were then, and look at how much ground we've covered since then. Look at how much has gone on. Um, it's just incredible to me to to really think that we are at this point in time. Um, and it's even going to get worse quicker. So, my word. You know, I was thinking right. about, uh, yeah, and you're right. We've seen such an unbelievable, uh, it's just, it's accelerating exponentially. Um, I did a show, I actually got a Facebook, uh, a lady contacted me on Facebook and told me that a uh, police officer in San Francisco, California, told her, said, I'm retiring, so I'm going to just tell you this. And he explained citizen containment and that how it was, how that the uh, connecting of certain buildings and tunnels uh, and, and uh, railways 
was actually uh, is is a real deal. It's not a fake thing. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's, they're actually working on it. It's it's part of what they have to do for citizen containment. Even the walls you're seeing now down between interstate interstates and towns are to seal off sections of cities in case of catastrophic events, whether it be a time of war or disease or 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 civil disobedience. Okay, so he gives her all this information. He said, because I can't go to bed at night. I can't, I can't go to sleep at night knowing what's getting ready to come up on the people. So she sends me this in Facebook and says, I just want to share this with you. And of course, don't reveal my, my name or, or the police officer's name. She didn't reveal his anyway. I did a YouTube video about it, guys. Just saying, here, let me just read to you this. And, and I didn't think nothing more about it. To me, it's just confirmation of what we already know. The very next day, I get a phone call from a man who actually works in the NSA. And he tells me, he says, your, your name and your video was across the page, right across the screens, all over um, our agency. Because the information you shared in that video, there's no possible way you can know. And this is information that's very sensitive as far as they're concerned because it's letting the cat out of the bag. And when they now have you on the list, Pastor, he said, now I love you. I listen to you all the time. Okay, he works there. He said, <laughs> I saw your face and your name come across the screen. I said, oh, my, here we go. And uh, we know that uh, all of us are being listened to and, and monitored in some way. But I think it came to me then, the realization, that just means to me that we struck a nerve. That's what he said. You struck a nerve. Let me put it to you in this terms. He said, you hit a home run. In the agency, we're saying you hit it out of the park. You're you're revealing something that's dead on the money, and it brings concern. And so, what that says to me is they're a lot further down the park. Everything's a lot further down the pipe than what we really realize. They're hiding in plain sight, guys. It's it's all coming together. It's it's the beast. The beast is rising, and it's exactly what it's supposed to do. But no fear here if you're a Christian. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. That's for sure. You're on the wrong side of the fence in a big time way and you won't have the courage to stand strong when the rubber meets the road. You might think you will, but you won't. You need to come over to the winning side and, and give your life to Christ and get on the team that Christ is coming for, the bride. And uh, that's very important. Wow. Absolutely. And it's interesting, the scenario you described we're, we we are you know connecting the dots on things like that because containment is the uh, ultimate well depopulation you know the mass killing uh, in by whatever means and and then the containment of the, of the masses because you cannot control what you can't contain you can't control what you can't see um, and we're talking about uh, you know whether it be the economy or, or people so this oh. is. Can I throw one more thing in there, Doug? I hate to jump out. No, of no, no. But uh, when you look at what's happening now as as far as also Venezuela, okay? So Venezuela was once a thriving country. Hugo Chavez wins the election, but he immediately starts working on changing the Constitution, working around the laws, executive orders, and before it's over, he starts seizing property, seizing uh, businesses, taking over industries. 
when I was in Florida this past week on Monday at the coffee again, at this coffee I had, you never know what you're going to find out when you just say, hey, I'm going to be having coffee. If you want to show up, show up. But these two brothers show up from Venezuela. Two brothers have been watching us for about three years, they said. They've been in America 16 years. I interviewed them quickly and did a YouTube video and threw it up that night. But I asked them, what happened? And he said, it's, it's exactly. They rewrote the Constitution. They changed every the laws. He started taking the businesses away. And our people started standing in lines and food lines. And then they went to the farmers. They told the farmers, you will sell all your food to us at 30, 30 cents on the dollar. You can't go to the free market. And the free markets start going out of business, you know. And so this is part of it. This this is part of this new world order. They put the people, now they're standing in line four and five hours a day. There are, there's a limit on how much they can buy. And when they get there, they have to put, they have their fingerprint, they have to be fingerprinted and they have to match that they're on the list for acceptance. And at any time the government can take you off the list and then you can't buy or sell. This is already being tested in the masses in Venezuela. This is the preparation. This is the testing ground. A part of what the what is coming upon the world. Wow. Mm. Well, everyone should have the warm of fuzzies <laughs> hearing that. But but no, I I think you know. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I think you're you're right. Um, looking at Venezuela and and seeing the what's going on there, and you can yeah. check various websites. Go ahead. Uh, they uh raise he raised gas prices by six thousand percent just this week. Yes, for us. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, and it's really kind of a, I would say, a look into our future. And we're seeing all of this. I mean, whether it's in Western Europe. You're lucky. Well, yeah. I mean, we're seeing this take place all around us. And it's just a matter of time before it hits here. One, one closing final question for you, Pastor. And I've gotten probably two dozen emails from different people all over the country wanting to know your feeling on this question. Good. I guess this is a good place to close. Do you see, um, do, do, do you see us making it to the election? Or do, do you see, I guess the bottom line here is, do, do you see us having a presidential election this year? We we say this all the time that you know, hey, maybe not. You know, things might happen. But on balance, everything you you research, your everything you've seen, are, are we? Do you think we're going to have a an election? Presidential election. This That's year. a great question, and 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 to be honest, we could easily be forced into a third term of Obama, which means Hugo Chavez would stay, and we would and we would be see the, the decline a lot quicker. Um, it could happen. There's no question it could happen. I used to think no, no, but no, it could happen. But to be honest, okay, so it could happen. But I've been in prayer. One of the things the Lord revealed to me in 2014. The Lord came to me and said, in 2016, America is coming to a crossroad. Now, I've been saying this for two years on the air. At this crossroad, America will have to choose, are they one nation under God or not? It may be part of the election. It may be a Supreme Court ruling. But it's coming to a major crossroad. A decision has to be made. Maybe it's a decision whether or not to allow Obama to stay in power or have an election. I don't know. I believe there will be an election. I really do. Uh, I do believe there will be an election. But there's a major crossroad, that's for sure. We might not, but I'm just saying, there is a crossroad. 
we're going to have to make a major decision. And the death of Scalia really shook me. I'm thinking, oh, oh no, because this is, this affects the court and this could affect the decision that America has to make. Uh, it's coming. There's a decision. I don't know what it is exactly, but we'll know when we get there. It's whether we're going to be one nation under God or not. This was the, this is exactly what I received from the Lord. But I did get another word from the Lord this weekend and I want to share it as I'm closing. I was said, Lord, help us. I was praying, Lord, what do we, what do we do now? What do we do? And he said, Paul, as I heard the cries of, of the children of Israel in Egypt, I hear the cry of America. That was a word I got this weekend. You can tell the people, as I heard the cry of Egypt, of the children of Israel in Egypt, I have heard the cry of America. But still, we have a decision to make. Are we going to be one nation under God or not? Wow, powerful. I think we're going to have an election. I don't know who's going to be in the finals. Some maybe may not even be alive to see it. But I'm talking about the candidates. I'm not sure they're all going to be there. I'm not sure that every candidate left is still going to be alive. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. But uh, we're going to have to make a decision. It's a big one. Wow, powerful. Pastor, you have filled up the two hours of our showtime tonight. Um Wonderful and we knowledge. can't wait to come on your show again. We'll be on your show tomorrow, uh, as you said, uh, starting right after you start your show. Yeah, Thanks for inviting us for that. Yes, uh, the yeah. show starts at twelve noon, and I'm going to bring you guys in there at about twelve fifteen or so. Well, we'll be here and ready as we have a in studio meeting tomorrow morning, so okay. we will be here well before the the start of your show, and we'll be listening as you start. We want to thank you and and your wife for all you do and and for coming on our show and. Uh, for the the friendship and and the uh, professional uh, relationship that we've had over the years, and we're gonna keep you in your ministry and in our prayers, and we ask our audience to do the same. God bless you, Pastor. God bless you guys. Thank you guys. It was an honor. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Until tomorrow, folks. Uh, by the way, tomorrow night, uh, Dr. Ted Brower. Yep. On the Hagman and Hagman Report. And again, we'll be on Pastor Paul Bagley's show. Yep. Uh, he's on twelve to three. We'll post on our website for you. God bless. We have left the building. This is the Global Star Radio Network.